Hey, good morning, Jay. Good morning, Tyler. The rare morning yeah. roughing the past. A morning episode. record. We haven't had a morning record in quite a while. We haven't had any records in quite a while. Yeah, it's uh, fair. We're kind of getting back on the horse. Uh, but um, yeah, good morning. It is, what, nine-ish in the morning? Nine-ish. And I do want to point out that you are wearing a, uh, a Toronto Blue Jays hat. I am. Which is, which is very exciting. As a, uh, actually, so I, I realized uh, my wife and I got a bird feeder. Uh, a long time ago actually now but uh, and I don't know how this works some ornithologists will have to call into the show and inform me uh, blue jays themselves are not seed birds they're, they're the worm and grub type birds yeah. yeah but something about the bird feeder has attracted more blue jays to the yard I don't know they weren't there and then the bird feeder showed up maybe I'm paying attention more and I'm noticing them more blue jays are cool and having the name jay I went with the blue jays. Are they're very pretty and they're like bigger than they should be. Yeah, but they're not really a big bird. But they're also. Have you noticed how they interact with other birds? They're miserable. They're jerks. Yeah, <laughs> they're real mean. Which I need to embrace. <laughs> but that like side. bullyish. I'm yeah, too they're, nice. they're not. They're not mean like they're gonna kill things. But they are. They rule the roost. Yes. They know that I'm the biggest of the small birds. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> You need to get out of my way. It's that, they are that kid in middle school that hit the growth spurt at just the yeah, right man. time. Like I'm not yeah, big enough to do anything. The middle school. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I have a question for you. Please. So my question is: as we are uh, in the Thanksgiving week, mm-hmm. or uh, if, depending on when you're listening to it, just have recently uh, encountered Thanksgiving. It's Correct. a food holiday, uh, the best of holidays. Yes. And so my question is: is to you, and this is a little specific. So either we'll have either this is one of those questions. That either we'll get a great conversation out of it or nothing. <laughs> uh, what is a food that is traditionally served hot? that you prefer at a different temperature and vice versa what's a what's a mm. so what what what's a food or something that you actually like it at a different temperature than is traditional i think i came about this when i last night i was thinking about the phrase piping hot when people are like i like i i need it to be piping hot yeah so we really. was talking about making these little like single serving uh pies like kind of cupcake pies or, or something like that and they're like, and then you can have it piping hot. And I, I, I've never I liked things. To I be like super my taste hot. buds. Like I don't yeah, want to burn yeah. those off, you know. And people, when they're like, the coffee's not hot enough. It's like, how is the coffee is always hot enough, <laughs> unless it's cold, and then it's cold coffee. Like that's. So I mean, for me, the the big thing is coffee. I I tend to like coffee at like a lukewarm temperature. So I'll I'll I will brew a pot. I will then pour a cup and I will leave it sit for 20 minutes and mm. then I'll enjoy. I I don't need my coffee to be outrageously hot. Uh, the the fo- the fine folks at any coffee establishment, your Dunkin' Donuts, your Starbucks, your McDonald's, serve it way too hot off the line. Way too hot. Like way too hot. It, it's just too aggressive. But there is a point of diminishing returns for me. There is a point oh, at yeah. which I will go. Eh, that's that that fell too far. I need to reheat. Yeah, there's that. There, especially with coffee because coffee you can drink cold. And it's delightful when it's cold. It's good when it's when it's hot and or warm, yeah. warm hot. I think it needs uh, to be intentionally cold. Yeah, like when I, it's straight up room temperature, I think that, that's no good. Yeah, yeah. The other way uh, comes to mind immediately is ice cream. I prefer like ice cream? I prefer melted ice cream. I like it when it's all Ooh. like soupy and stuff. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. 
if that means I need to like start living with my so cats you, or whatever. You, but well, like, you like ice cream soup. Yeah. I used and I to want think, all... when I was a kid, yeah, get the Neapolitan and I would mix it up and like that was the thing where you thought, I've made something. I made ice cream soup. <laughs> where it's really just played with your ice cream until it melted. Yeah, right. I, I still would like to put fixings and stuff in it. Like it should have the okay. syrup and the and the and the well, soup. whipped cream. Ice cream stew. Yeah. Then. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I do like that. I, I, I'm not opposed to having regular ice cream, ice cream on a cone, stuff like that. But ice cream soup on, in the right conditions is is ideal. I like that. Another another big thing, especially around this time, is I like turkey on the day of Thanksgiving, but yep. I love turkey the next day. That was going to be when my it, answer for hot to cold. It it yeah, cold turkey on a sandwich. It's good for quitting smoking, and it's good <laughs> just for. I like just eating it. Yeah. I, my go to, especially when I was in like high school and college, was. I would, because my mom would make a giant turkey, and I was the only one in my house that really favored the white meat. Mm. Uh, everybody else wanted dark meat, which was great. It was a great scenario for everybody. I was going to say, the rest of your family's crazy, because white meat's where it's at. It That's, is where it's at. Yeah. And my mom makes a really good turkey, so it wasn't like dry or anything. It was just it was, it was just really good. I didn't realize until later how good my mom's turkey was. I'm mm. not one of those, like, oh, mom's home cooking, like kind of pining for my mom's. Like, my mom's a good cook, but right. it never was made a big deal of until I had other people's turkey. I was like, Ugh, uh-oh. This is, uh, <laughs> her turkey is really good. Um, but I would just take, I would like get a little cup, put some ranch in it, get the turkey, just dip in the ranch and eating it, eating it like it was chicken fingers. Yeah. Oh man, it's so good. Cold pizza also has to make the list here, right? Cold pizza is very good. Cold yeah. pizza is good. Uh, it's particularly, you'll you'll hear more about this later in the episode. But there there is something that has reentered my life that has, when I get home from work, aggressively thrown me back into my college days. And uh, cold pizza, that'll do the trick. You know, I like it. No one needs like a, a no one needs a toaster oven. No one needs a a reheat. Just go for no. it. Yeah, I uh, and I do like I I like those kind of foods like the turkey and the cold pizza where I do I appreciate both of them. It's different than coffee where I have a very specific kind of uh, temperature that I prefer. Um, and and cold pizza is very different than than warm pizza. Right. And cold turkey is very different than warm turkey. And to reheat turkey works okay, and to reheat pizza changes it. So like the, yes. the, it's a third thing. And which is fine, but it's the it's definitely the bronze of those three options. Yeah, let me say, pizza and Chinese food. Oh, Chinese food's the worst. It's the best and the worst. Let me tell you why. It's the best day of, like right off yeah. the line. I have been eating insane amounts of Chinese food. I love Chinese food, but they give you way too much in the portion, right? Like there's a lot. Maybe <laughs> depends on the day, but I almost always have leftovers. I always have leftovers, but I don't think, why they give me so much? Like, I, I no. Like, good. But the yeah. problem is the leftovers in the Chinese, there's no re- redeeming Chinese leftovers. Like, uh, I, I would disagree. It depends uh, on what you're getting. I think if you get the breaded chicken, so yeah. like a General So's or a sweet and sour, then yes. Like, that does not reheat very well. But lo mein reheats like... Like, oh man, my go-to That's one of the best reheats. My go-to and dish Mongolia is on beef. the the uh, the low end of the popularity spectrum. I do the uh, cashew chicken. Yeah, and yeah. I just it doesn't. That's a lot of like a lot of veggies and stuff. Like it doesn't yeah. reheat quite yeah. as well. Certainly, but the low main will reheat. Yeah, all day. I can see it, that. Like, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Oh man, we always get extra low main whenever we get Chinese food because I know it's like this. I'm eating this for the next three days. <laughs> this is, this, is, this, is, this is my life for the next week. Mm-hmm. Is this? 
You can anticipate burps, the flavor of soy sauce. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of food, we have a lot to be thankful for. So I think it's it's time for us to dive in. And I'm Tyler. I'm Jay. And this is Roughing the, the Pastor. pastor. me i almost just said last christmas you gave me my heart last it is the christmas. season it is the season of whamageddon so i do <laughs> want to bring this back up before we when, get into well, i forgot when do we start this we start this december 1st okay and okay. i remember this only because i turned on the radio i have i, I think uh for all of us we've had different ways of dealing with this pandemic <laughs> and as soon as the local radio station flipped into to christmas music i was in the car by myself i was like scanning through stuff I am usually a like got yep. December first is my day because I don't I have this real I'm, I'm real weird about like I can't listen to too much because I don't want to get tired of it like by the 18th I need to like have I, I need to ration it out so that I, I'm hitting peak Christmas music love around yep. the 25th um, <clears throat> I think about it way too much but so I, usually I wait until at least after Thanksgiving, but definitely try to get into December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just falling on the Christmas music, it filled me with joy. And and so I've just been, it's Christmas in my car. It's been Christmas in my car for the last like 10 days. A full week ago, I was texting with our friend of the pod who has somehow still not done an episode, Ed Sutter. Ed Sutter, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I texted him, and we were talking about something else, and I ended the conversation with this line that I stand by, and get your uh, your sensor button ready. Oh, my. I said, Ed, I'm leaving to go decorate my office for, for Christmas because fuck 2020. <laughs> if, this, if decorating for Christmas brings even the slightest ounce of joy in this dumpster fire of a year, I'm mm-hmm. for it. I'm for it. Tyler making notes yeah, it, so that so they can not yeah, so disturb the children. Cut out the, the swear. Uh, so the so back to Whamageddon. Whamageddon yes. is this wonderful thing uh, where it, and it was devised in like Britain or, or something where they play it a lot more. So the whole idea is that you need to get from December first to December twenty fifth without hearing the song "Last Christmas" by Wham. That last Christmas I gave you my heart. Uh-huh. That one. Uh, I'm not. I, I was going to say you can hear it right now. I'm playing it. No, I'm not going to put it in. Cause I don't want to change this case. for anybody who's listening later. Yep. Um, and the whole idea is that you need to, if you can get twenty, and you, and you need to. It, it's not about intentionally hearing it. It's about when it's on. Yeah. Like you just have to if live you your life normally. And it's on. That counts. Yeah. And you can't like it once you hear it. Once you recognize what it is, uh-huh. you've been you've been gotten. So it, it's and, and co- what so what happened to me the other day is I was listening to this Christmas station. I heard it start to come on and I switched the channel. Had we been whamageddoning, yeah, that's it. I had been, I would have been gone. Like it's a bomb. It just blows up. So you don't, you don't have to see it blow up to know that it's gotten you. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you recognize that it's the song, you've been gotten. 
Last year, somehow, I unbelievably, made you made it through. Yeah. This year, I, I am, I'm determined that you're not going to make it through. Well, uh, despite my efforts last time. <laughs> and so, here's what I would recommend. First, let's let's go as long as we can. Yeah. And then, second, both of us carry like field notes with us or mm-hmm. something like that. Like we have some devices with us. So I want us to, assuming that the improbable nature of you making it all the way through without hearing it, which I was is still highly say, unbelievable. I, I think, I think I'll do to... better this year than I did last year. Oh, I I certainly will not because I'm going to be listening to Christmas music full on all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we need to keep a little tally in our notebooks. And every time we hear it, just make a note. Put the date yep. and the time. Well, let me ask clarifying question. Then let me tell you why I think mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do covers count? I think this was a question last yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. So the song in any form. In be any it, form. Be it Wham, be it Kenny G, be it Jimmy Eat World, all of whom have yeah. done covers of this song, by the way. <laughs> Kenny G. <laughs> uh, any any version of that song, you're done. You're toast. Yeah. So, and I, and I would say, I mean, I'm certainly going to hear it a lot between, because I'm going to watch TikTok. It's going to be on TikTok a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's going to be in the stores. It's going to be on the radio station that I play. It's on my uh, like Spotify playlist of Christmas that has like 12,000 songs in it. Why so would come you up set that point. trap for yourself? Because I like the Christmas <laughs> stuff. I'm not going to change my song just because of this. So, uh, but that's, so, how, that's how I made it through last year. I covers. I do not listen mm. to the radio. Yeah. I, I want to be the master of my own destiny. Yeah. And I don't have the huge playlist. And we're going to be going to stores a lot less. That's so what I was going to say. COVID is going to play in my favor here too. Cause I my, think that the, like the YouTube, like six second video, I think that it's going to, you're going to get some commercials that I'm, are going to yeah. certainly have last Christmas. That's, that is pos- That's where it's going to happen. If it's going to happen at yeah. all, it's going to happen in an advertisement. So here's what I would say. Like, so mark the date and the time. Mm-hmm. If it's a cover, you can like mark that, like put an asterisk or something just to say Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then we'll compare notes okay. and see how far we've been gotten. Cause because it's no fun if it's just like, well, Tyler got out on December 3rd and Jay is still rocking into December 23rd. Like that, that is, I think we'll still do that. So there's a slight competition to who can get the furthest. And yeah. then there's a competition to who can get the least. And then I think it becomes fun because then the, the, it gets weaponized. Yeah. Once we've both been gotten, then, which I, I tried to weaponize it last year and you were so paranoid. You wouldn't even answer I, the phone when I call you. Or I do not. <laughs> videos. Anything audio that Tyler sends me, I will not click a link. <laughs> I will not answer a phone call. Oh, uh, so from December 1st to December 25th because I know it's coming. So that's it. Uh, I think the people who initiated Wimageddon also did a uh, uh, wonderful Christmas time. They added that level to it. Oh, man. So I don't think we necessarily need to add that yet. But that no. between those two songs, and neither of them are good. Like no. I think that's the thing, well. is that I like them because they have become staples of Christmas the same way I like Elf. Yeah, uh, but I don't. I don't think Elf's that good of a movie. I know I'm very much in the minority there. No, I I'm think, with you. I think it. Yeah. It was in. I would give it the level of enjoyable. Yeah, it's fine. It, like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I was. Yeah, but I'd I'm say not, the same like, about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, it's I fine. don't rewatch it every year. Now, a Christmas story. Christmas story. I watch that all day. Whole I, different. I, like story. I do the 24 hours. Yeah. Was yeah. that you? You gave that, me that movie. Did you give me that movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's, That's a tradition. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll do much more Christmas as the weeks play on here okay well we've gotten a really this may be the longest we've gotten past the intro before we've actually said what the episode's <laughs> about um and so i mean we've had, certainly had much longer intros than this but mm-hmm. so last year last christmas i, I gave you my heart <laughs> that's how we got here yeah 
Last Thanksgiving, we did a we did a thing which I loved that was the first annual, and now we can really say it was the first annual because mm-hmm. all pre- once you've done something twice, you've now always done you it have the Presbyterian Church. Yeah. So now we have the second annual Thanksgiving time capsule. Yay! So last year we we kind of came up with this idea of we're going to make a top ten list of things within the culture mm-hmm. that we love. They don't have to be current; they just are current to us. So. Uh, <clears throat> For instance, last year um, you had picked an episode of The West Wing that was like 20 years old. And so it doesn't have to be something that, that came out just now, uh, but something that's related to it. Um, I, so that episode is from uh, November of 2019. I'm not going to tell you what episode it is because I didn't look that up. But I'm just going to, without explanation, I'm going to run through what was on our list last year. Yeah. And um, and there may be some some recurring themes from this one. And I... If if the numbers don't quite add up, because I don't think the numbers quite added up, so either we either have twelve or eleven or nine. Each, we are not good at math. We, yeah, but I have it. I'm better this time. So so Jay's ten in no particular order. Right. Were the skip intro button on Netflix, YouTube, specifically Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon, Seth, uh, and Seth Spike Hack channels, um, the singer Ben Gibbard. The West Wing episode from season four that's about time zones. The Futurama episode that is uh, called Godfellas. Mm-hmm. Newspapers on the iPad, specifically New York Times and Washington Journal. That's, or, uh, Wall Street Journal. That's fascinating. Uh, and, uh, it, yeah, newspapers on the iPad. So a digital newspaper. It's not like we've done an episode contradicting that since then. No. Uh, Dirtbag Diaries podcast. Disney Plus. Future of Forestry, Light Has Come, that, that EP. And Seminary Books on Audiobook. Yes. My 10, in no particular order, were Blackbeard's Ghost, the Disney movie, which is mm. on Disney+. Plus. Fantastic. I almost put it on my list. The whole reason I made, I went back and listened to it to, to reconstruct the list is like, I think I put Blackbeard's Ghost on it last year. That, uh, I, I did not. I want to say that, too. Now that you've heard my list from last year, I did not have that luxury or take, <laughs> that, take that initiative. So there may be repeats. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I would have had a lot of repeats. Uh, Justin Scar, it's YouTube videos, uh, Justin Scard and Adam the Woo. Highly recommend both of them. Mm. Twenty One Chump Street, which is Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, like micro musical that he made for This American Life. Yes. Uh, highly recommend that. Look it up on YouTube. Mickey Mouse cartoons, uh, the new Mickey Mouse cartoons that are on uh, YouTube and Disney Plus. I think I also said Disney Plus, which gets me to ten. The podcast, The Anthropocene Reviewed, which has mm-hmm. just ended. Mm. It's over. So it's it's, oh, it's over. Oh man. He's, I know. But, I mean, it's still there, but he's right. Uh, he he kind of started it as a we'll see how long this lasts anyway and it it hit kind of a good ending point and i and i think they're going to write a book uh mm-hmm. that's similar about it but it's it appears to be over so the anthropocene reviewed from john green highly recommend that uh the television show gravity falls one of the best shows ever made mm-hmm. slow tv the the notion of like watching trains and stuff like that yeah oh i got uh, i got app. a thing for you on that we'll mm. come back to it later the app pokemon go and uh, yeah. the Nintendo Switch. So those were our lists from last year. So in no particular order, uh, Jay, would you like to start us off? That we'll go. We'll count them down. Last uh, last year we couldn't figure out if we were counting up or counting down. So the, we'll count them down. But this is in no particular order. These are in a particular order. I have a ranking. Oh, nice. Here. Yeah, I have a My, ranking. Mine here. are not ranked. Uh, number ten, and this is gonna. I'm gonna start right off the bat with a hot take because uh, I know I'm sure there are people that will disagree with me. Number ten, the Tiger King. That show oh. on Netflix. <laughs> I knew oh, you man. would be one I of had, them. I had, uh, I had, I've never seen it, 
uh-huh. and I I missed it. I I last Christmas that, uh, <laughs> and I I only make that that thing because I had done a great job of forgetting that that ever happened. It and uh, I appreciate you bringing it back. That's good to yeah. go in the time capsule. That's appropriate for the pandemic. Well, that's I was gonna say. If it were not a pandemic, I don't think it would have hit the way it did. Uh, so the Tiger King came out what in March, I think. Uh, yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, but like it's like, hey, everybody, we're locked up, but here's a show you can watch. Right, and it is the best way to describe it is train wreck. Uh, I yeah. and and I got to tell you, I love train wreck television. <laughs> I love just the whole purpose of it is the whole time you're watching this the show is asking yourself, is it possible these people really exist? It 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 it. it it was not at all edifying. It was not at all. This is why it's so low on the list. It wasn't like yeah. I watched it and went, oh, wow, that's compelling. It it's was the Cheetos of TV. It Yes. Yes. Where you can't even explain what it is. Like, what is a Cheeto? How is it made? I don't know. I don't care. And I know it's horrible <laughs> for me, but, <laughs> it but tastes, I'll enjoy it. It tastes right good now. for two seconds. And then I'll feel terrible later. And <laughs> 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 then leave a terrible taste in my mouth. So, number 10, the Tiger Cheeto. Okay. That's it. <laughs> That's a pretty. That's a good one. And I, my, I've stayed away from it largely because I don't like seeing animals uh, mm. in pain. And I think that that I, I have no problem with people in pain and, <laughs> and watch it like them. I was very intrigued by the like the garbage notion of it, yeah. uh, but the suffering animals and animals in kind of bad situations. It, I don't it, know how much that's part of it, but it's uh, at least it's at least marginally part of it. And again, I come back to maybe private citizens shouldn't be able to own that many tigers and bears and stuff. One hundred percent. Yeah, they shouldn't be allowed to own any. Like yeah. it doesn't. It like doesn't make any sense. That's not okay. Dog. There fine, are more. Cat. There are more. Uh, yeah, there are more tiger. There are more big cats in private ownership than there are in zoos. Yeah. And zoos take care of them. Like, yeah. for all the people who are like, zoos are terrible. Nope. Zoos no. are conservation places that help animals. These, like, private, like, if you go to, like, a petting zoo and they have a, a tiger, yeah, no. Yeah. Don't pet a tiger. Like, Just, be allowed to do that. That's my life lesson. A today. dude who brings a tiger to a birthday party? Like, nope. No. It's, no, no. it's not, not great. What's your number 10, Tyler? My number 10, I'm, I'm going to try to get them in an order now. Oh, here's my number 10. Yeah. It's a kind of combo. Uh, I have an Amazon Alexa, mm. and every morning when I come down, I say, Alexa, good morning. Mm-hmm. And Alexa then tells me the weather and then uh, a, a fact about Disney, and and some, and some then she says some kind of lame joke. And then she sends me to my number 10, which is the Up First podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yes. So it is a like a 12-minute podcast. 10 to 12 minute podcast that just tells you all the news of the day. Precisely timed. Like it yes. is exactly what you need. No more, no less. Yep. And I, so I'll do that like while I'm making my coffee and doing my business and, and you find out about kind of the top headlines. So it is, it is from the hosts of morning edition. They mm-hmm. every morning get up at like five thirty and prepare you a piping hot cup of news <laughs> <laughs> and I let it sit on the counter until it gets a little, right, little cooled right off, and then I drink it. Yeah. Uh, so that, I just love it. I I uh, I listen to. I'm a big NPR listener. Have been uh, since fifth grade. Uh, Nerd. Like to, yeah. Oh, big time. And I was like way into like Bob Edwards was the host of like I was a real big dork. Uh, <laughs> was. was is the operative yeah. word. <laughs> Uh, and I listened to NPR and classical music when I was in fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, and then I got into jazz music. So it was really moving on on, on up the line. Well, we all grow uh, up sometime. 
Yeah. No, NPR has, I just love NPR and that they have a podcast that's so, uh, that they did it really well. A lot of times kind of older media trying to adopt new media really struggle with it. Yeah. And NPR was already primed for podcast culture uh, and they really leaned into it and have made themselves with, uh, for, there was a transition where it went kind of from the old little buttoned up version of stuff to a more casual and there there times are a little more casual than i'd like them to be it doesn't make me feel like an old man where they're like yeah. hey everybody like they're, they're just a little too cool shut up and get um, to the news yeah yeah like give me some, like i don't need to hear your banter just tell me yeah anyway uh i just love it i think it's it's i like starting the day knowing what's going on i really the reporting on npr is really great yep um and they in and, is and we're in a culture where if you don't like the reality of the news you just call it fake and so a lot of people criticize npr for being too liberal but they're not they're, they're not they're, really they're as straightforward news as you can get yeah. um and i mean they have shows that are obviously biased in certain directions but they're they're straightforward news is like and they do a good job of factually reporting stuff and, and verifying things and they yeah. don't uh they have they don't report on things that aren't verified so it's a great way to start the day i i mean along with that the alexa is really just a, I, I really enjoy it uh, I kind of got it on a whim a couple of years ago for uh, during Prime Day because it was like $10 or something like yeah. that. And it felt weird just having a microphone all, all, all there all the time. But just being able to walk in the room and, and so like I'll walk up later and I'll say, what, Alexa, what's the news? And she'll fill me in on what's going on there. And then I'll say, Alexa, play Paul Simon. And then she'll play some Paul Simon stuff. And then I'll say, Alexa, tell me a joke. And she'll tell me a dumb joke. And it's there is something uh, about living in the future that Alexa brings. But uh, particularly, specifically, my number 10 is up first and it's coming out of my Alexa every and, morning. And let me throw a sub uh, sub shout out to that for you. I think their theme song on up first is the best of the NPR theme songs. It's just, it's quick. It has the yeah. somber version of it. Do you, you catch that? Like I, I do like that. I love when they have the sad version of yeah. their song. Yeah. Anytime there's like a kind of questionable news story, you know, the somber version yeah. comes out. Yeah. Every version, every theme. So every NPR show has the normal version and then the sad version. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Vice President or uh, former President Gerald Ford died today. Yeah. Was that the price? That's the price is right. Yeah, the theme has definitely grown on me. When it started, I was like, oh, this is too like hip, which yeah. even though that word is like, I, I didn't like it at first, but I really like it now. I think it's a good one. I liked their the old, they changed the morning edition theme. I was going to say the old morning me. edition was great. Oh, that was great. It was with the trumpet. Yep. Yeah. It, and was, the new ones, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's too cool. Yeah. It's too, uh, like, I'm in a gap or something like that. Uh, and it's the same song. They just, like, re-recorded it with new <laughs> instruments, and it's fine. But the the nice thing is that the um, Weekend Edition, or the, the All Things Considered has the same. Yeah. Same they thing. Haven't, they haven't changed yet. Yeah. You know they will, anyway. but they haven't changed yet. Eventually. Yeah, it's not cool enough. Th- that serves as a good segue to my number nine, uh, mm. because the Morning Edition folk are all people on my list of, of people I would love to sit down and just have lunch with. I find them compelling enough as humans. I feel like they'd be they'd be fun to sit and shoot the breeze about the news a little bit. Mm-hmm. I want to be very clear, this is only as low on my list as it is because it's new and I'm only a little bit through it. But number nine is specifically the audio version of A Promised Land 
by President Barack Obama. That was on my list. Was it? it? Was, I mean, it, 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 I took it off because I had some other things that bumped it up, and I haven't finished it yet. But that I, is, I am, yeah, I, I'm about halfway through it, and boy, it's been, and it's only been out a week. Yeah. Uh, but but it's been uh, it's been lovely spending it's, some time with my friend Barry. It's great, and and it oh, set aside. I think set aside the politics. He is a compelling storyteller. Oh, he's great. Like the writing in this book is fantastic. And the narration is great too. Like he reads it, which is so great. I yeah. do love hearing him say the F word. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. It's kind of surreal. The first couple yeah. times he hits he's it, you're like good at it too. Uh, like you're like, whoa. Like yeah, it's like hearing your teacher swear. Like yeah. you're not ready for it, but then you're like, well, you that came out of your mouth like you've you're used to that. Yeah. <laughs> you're well practiced in this. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the first time you said this particular word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the narration in particular, a story that comes to mind, I'm too he just Got through the inauguration. Um, so he's just been inaugurated. But yep. he tells a story That's right after. <laughs> yeah. He, re- he tells a story about uh, going to the zoo with his girls, and they get mobbed by reporters. And mm-hmm. on the way home, the girls are trying to come up with an alias for him, and they come up with Johnny McJohnjohn, which, first of all, <laughs> that's great. That's <laughs> just outstanding. They like, wear a hat and glasses. But then they do this new squeaky voice for him. And on the narration, he does the squeaky voice, and it's so funny. It's just really, really good uh, all around. So I'm curious to hear the next part, you know, how he gets into certain decisions he had to make, like some of this new stuff that, you know, it's fascinating to hear what we cared about 12 years yeah. ago versus yeah. what we care about now. Uh, yep. But it's it's a real good book, and it's a real good audio book, so – and he's only doing he's it's two parts. I know. Like this is the first part. So this is just his first uh four years. Well that's to be clear. So excited. Yeah. It's twenty eight hours long. Yeah. This book. I you could it. listen uh, to this book it. from <laughs> sunrise to sunset. I probably got, I'm gonna listen to it a couple times before the next one comes out. Oh I, I also so got good. the actual book and so I was like going back and forth reading the book and audiobook and uh it's really good. I only took a break from it because Ready Player Two came out. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I've been listening to that the last like two days. And it's uh, if you've read Ready Player One, which is an excellent book, uh, and I still haven't seen the movie. I heard it's an okay movie. Um, the writing in both Ready Player One and Ready Player Two is not good. Uh, <laughs> it's and it really is just gratuitous like pop culture references, mm-hmm. but it's fun. And so if you just kind of get past that, it's the Cheetos. It's yeah. like a Cheeto, uh, or it's I mean it's less like garbage, but more just like I'm not going to this to be overwhelmed by uh revelations on life right but it is kind of just a it's a popcorn <laughs> book if you will and uh i'm almost I highly, out i might I have to go it. make so more that it, that has slowed me up from my my obama book but i'm glad that that was your it's number number nine, nine? and again okay. i would say it's only number nine because it's so fresh and uh i'm not done with it yet i think it's a fantastic book it's great yeah so my number nine mm-hmm. is a movie that came out on Netflix, uh, and this came out. <clears throat> this came out maybe a month ago, a month or two ago, and it's very weird, and it's not quite super accessible, but it's really good, uh, and it's based on a book. It's called "I'm Thinking of Ending Things." Mm. I highly recommend it to everybody. Okay. So this is a, a movie uh, by Charlie Kaufman, written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman was a screenwriter continues to be a screenwriter but a sought after screenwriter who who uh he has done the movies adaptation um 
he did Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. He did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless oh, Mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, He uh, did a bunch of other things. Uh, a movie called Synecdoche, New York, and uh, Anomalisa. Like, they get more niche and, and really overly smart. Like, an adaptation is probably a good cross-section of that, where it's, like, just clever enough that you can still get into it. And he is a character in it, and his twin brother is a character in it who's not a real person in real life. And it's all about how hard it is to adapt. It's really all of his stuff deal with the existential problems of life and how everything dies basically. Yeah. Uh, and so they're all pretty depressing. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie. That's so Jim that, Carrey and this is Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet and yeah. Jim Carrey in a serious role and nailing it like in, in a mm. way that he never really nails it before since like he's kind of, he perfectly reveals himself in a way that he never really does anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Eternal Sunshine Spotless Mind is great, but uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Doesn't really have, it's got Jesse Plemons, who you may have seen in that thing, but other than that, there's no real, and, and uh, the mom from uh, The Sixth Sense is in it. I can't remember oh, her name yeah, off yeah. the top of my head. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, Lupin, uh, Professor Lupin is ah, also yeah. in it. Uh, so they are his parents. Uh, and it's just this compelling, it's really good. But you gotta, you can't do other things. You kind of gotta watch it at night um, when you have time to think about it. Mm. Um, and it starts off, and the first scene is probably like twenty-five or thirty minutes just in a car, and it gets to the point where you're starting to think, like, is this, is this whole movie, movie gonna the- take gonna <laughs> gonna be in a car? And then it's not, all of a sudden, and it's just the way in which it deals with sadness and perception and unreliable narrators and reality and regret Mm. like it is this uh, it's it's like a really so in every way that ready player two and ready player one does not require any higher level thinking (laughs) this is all higher level thinking so this is a a movie like you have to pay attention to what's going and you're the whole time you're like what um, but if you're paying attention, it does all make sense in the end. There's a lot of people who got really mad because it's like, the only made no sense. But it doesn't, but it does. And you kind of get to... It's a movie... What I love about it, it's a movie you could talk about for hours afterwards, mm-hmm. even if you didn't like it. So it's it's an engaging... Um, it requires some patience and it requires some attention, uh, but it's really well made and everything is intentional. And you start to realize, like at first it seems like there's mistakes that are happening that that are normal in a movie like hey this this person is wearing something slightly different than they were before but it's subtle and then after a while you realize like oh no that's intentional that's part of it and so is it a rewatch do what like multiple yes i haven't or? rewatched it yet but yeah i i on the rewatch it would be a very different movie hmm. um but not in a fight club kind of way where like everything makes sense the second time yeah. or six cents uh like it, i don't think it would make more sense the second time but you would start to see how much you were being manipulated as a, as a viewer earlier than you thought you were. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just compelling. So I highly recommend watching that movie and then let's talk about it. I want to talk about it with everybody. Uh, here's, here's a shocker. Jimmy watched it and Jimmy and I have <laughs> talked about it. Uh, but other than the friend of the show, Jimmy Dykstra, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, who, who always comes on to talk about movies. So that's, it, it's on Netflix. It's, it's really good. Uh, it's, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> so if you want an uplifting movie, don't watch this one. But if you want to just kind of like push the bruise for a couple hours, 
Yeah. Watch this one. It's it's really good. I'm thinking of ending things by Charlie Kaufman movie on Netflix. Excellent. Number eight, I think this is the first time I'm trying to think through that last year's list. I think this is the first time that a this is something on the list as a de- direct result from an episode of Roughing the Pastor. Uh, nice. Though it went in a different direction, I am now the proud owner of a PlayStation Four. Ooh. Uh, yeah. For for a couple reasons, One, you got you and Rachel are very into the Nintendo Switch ecosystem, yeah. and I appreciate that. I need. I was a, really hoping when you said I'm a proud owner that it was going to be Nintendo Switch. I know, but I'm but, okay with the PlayStation Four. You can get all the Kingdom Hearts games on that. Can you? Nineteen dollars. The whole every game is packed right now. I almost thought about getting a PS4 just so I could get all the Kingdom Hearts games because you can't get them on the Switch. Hey, come borrow. Kingdom Hearts games are great. But, well, that's so. The frustrating thing about my my diving into the media console world or the video game console world is the limits. Nintendo is great at a couple of things, and the Xbox and the PlayStation Four are great at everything else. And, like, I really want in on Animal Crossing and games like that. Mario Kart is phenomenal. Yeah. But hockey. The Switch is the Switch is, an, is a family console. Yeah. The other, the PS4 and, uh, or the, the PlayStation and the Xbox are gaming consoles. Right. And I. You can kind of do family stuff on, but not really. Yeah, right. They're race cars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the boys are really into Sonic, and there are a couple good Sonic games you can get on the PlayStation. Yep. yep. Uh, but otherwise... I needed hockey, uh, so right now the only three games I have, again, just got it, but uh, the NHL 2021. Ooh. Uh, wait, yeah, yeah. I bet that's breakneck from your 2005 NHL oh that you've been playing for. <laughs> it's, it's actually really great because, like, the controls are all the same. So, like, yeah. I walked into it as good as I was before, but everything yeah. else is way better. Yeah. Uh, so it's it, good. And the, the Penguins are pretty good. Yeah, you, you caught the Penguins on a decent year, even though they lost last year. But it's hard I, to really base it on the stats of a of a season that was what like thirty games long. I was gonna say it, the problem is they've updated the rosters to the current rosters, including mm. all the trades and everything like that. Yeah, I'm slightly concerned the Penguins are gonna suck this year. <laughs> you can trade them back though. Like I you can't. can go in and just reconstruct the team from 2020. Right, and that's exactly what I did. Like yeah, but I'm a little worried about the real life Penguins based on the gameplay of this video game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm also playing Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, I've heard that's fantastic. It's real good. And I suck at games like that, and it's really good. Uh, And I'm also playing, hat tip to my uh, obvious nerdiness, Injustice 2, uh, the DC Mortal Kombat type game. So I have Injustice, the first one, Mm -hmm. and it's fantastic it's really good it's it's exactly it's mortal Kombat with superheroes and it's yeah. so much fun yeah it's really, it's really stupid good. fun it doesn't there's no real plot and they try to put a plot in and you're like no no thank no, you i don't need Cutscenes, that i don't need to see you. <laughs> i just want to watch superman beat the crap out of batman again mm-hmm. like that's that's all i need so that at my number what are we at eight number, number eight, eight number the eight playstation four which i will say i the reason i got the four too is because the five just came out and mm-hmm. the fours are stupid, crazy cheap right now because everybody's yeah. selling their fours to get the five. Yep. The five so did you looks, get a used one. Yeah, nice. The five looks phenomenal, uh, yeah. but but I went with the four. All right, my number eight. This so this is a record that I've had for quite a while, um, and it's just been a kind of I keep falling back on it throughout um, the pandemic. It's it's so this is a record from 1968. 
Nice. And it's called Switched on Bach. Yeah, right. yeah, it seems super weird. You can get it in a dollar bin. That's why I got it. But it's this uh, its this seminal record from Wendy Carlos, who is an early, um, a real early name in the electronic music field. And so, uh, and, and helped develop the Moog synthesizer, which oh. is kind of the classic synthesizer sound that you hear yep. whenever you think of synthesizer. Uh, specifically, like, electronica synthesizer kind of stuff. You can hear some of it now because I'm sure I'm playing it. Um, and so in 1968, um, this is the very beginning of electronic music and synthesizers and stuff like that, like early Daft Punk type things. And it's just a record that the whole th- they, uh, Wendy Carlos just put together um, all these box songs, just basically as a showcase for what a synthesizer could do. Yeah. And so it's just this electronic album that's all Bach music, and it's fantastic to put on the background. Like it's there's never a time where it's not great to listen to and the story behind it is more so Wendy Carlos goes on to she she writes the score for The Shining mm-hmm. um, so the bom, 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 yeah. bom, which is actually based on a, uh, another classical piece but it, the synthesizer stuff does the music for Tron for the original Tron yes uh, does a lot of different music in uh, becomes this kind of pioneer and again in developing what electronica becomes uh, and the people like Daft Punk and, and and folks like that really elevate from this. And the interesting thing, Wendy Carlos becomes this compelling person that Wendy Carlos is one of the first public transgender people. Hmm. Wendy Carlos was born Walter Carlos hmm. and uh, started to transition in 1968 and was living as a woman uh, from 1968 on gets sexual reassignment surgery and becomes kind of, again, this pioneer, not just in electronic music, but in gender identity and, and uh, trans understanding and um, uh, one of the things that Wendy has said in the past is that I was surprised at how non-controversial it was or even more how indifferent the world was to this, huh. See, which is really like, that's really interesting. Cause yeah. I was going to say, if I can't knowing how hard it is for folks that are transgender now, I can't imagine yep. what it would have been like in 68, but well, and I th- and part of what helped is that she was transitioning in 1968, but but was coming into prominence at the same time. So it couldn't be a, a secret, but there's only a, a few... Uh, she only was publicly presented as a male a, lit, a, a yeah. little bit. And then the rest of the time has just been well-known as Wendy Carlos. And, and just the way in which everyone has... Ex- it is interesting to look back into an era when people were kind of just okay with that. Yeah. Like in a way that they're not now, which is very think that now. we've evolved to that kind of thing. But... Like everyone that worked with it, like no, it was never a controversial thing. Even looking back at this, and I think that that's what Wendy has said in, in interviews that uh, she was kind of surprised that like she was ready for people to just destroy her and it was going to ruin her career, and people just kind of didn't care. Yeah. And that's what surprised her. And again, not that they were accepting of it, but they were just indifferent to it. Yeah. Uh, which is different than accepting, but it's still better than hate. It, um, it, if you want to despair for humanity, uh, I. WTAE gives me alerts on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anytime Which Dr. Is a local news channel. Right. Anytime Dr. Rachel Levine does an update, mm-hmm. TAE will tell me on Facebook and I'll click. Who is, she's the, 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 the director of health for the state. Yeah. I can't Something remember like what that. her I mean, specific she's the, title She's the person is. in charge of telling she's, us about she, COVID in, yeah. in Pennsylvania. She's our COVID, uh, COVID person. Uh, but anytime she gives a, a press conference, I seem to watch it on TAE on Facebook so I can see all the comments mm-hmm. scrolling by. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, my goodness. Holy cow. First of all, horrible. who's got this much time in the day to just be sitting around making comments oh on? Everybody. Yeah, but, oh, my gosh. It's bad. It's so bad. But anyway. So, yeah. So that's my, and I mean, getting back to the record, it's just a great record. It, uh, it's, uh, I don't know if it's on Spotify, it, but you can find it on like YouTube, just switched on Bach and mm-hmm. it looks very much from 1968 and it's just a delightful thing. Huh. Uh, but it's just, it's great for working. And I really, I found that like ambient, um, kind of electronic, not like EDM kind of music, but no. just like synthesizer type stuff is, is pretty, pretty great. And this yeah. one's just the right amount of classical, but like kind of new uh, contemporary 1960s technology uh, that's really cool. And Randy Carlos is awesome and just worth worth hearing her story and, and knowing about her. And she's still around and still making stuff. So nice. uh, d- not really present on Spotify, but other than that, doing huh. doing pretty great. That's my number eight. Switched on Bach. Number seven. Disney Plus, specifically The Mandalorian. Yes. Specifically The Mandalorian. I was. Now, I'm con- only in the middle of the second episode of this new season. I won't. Just no spoilers. Okay. No spoilers. Uh, I was convinced that there was no way the Mandalorian season two could live up to season one, and I was wrong. Like they oh. are, they are pushing this story in a direction that there's one. I won't, again. I won't spoil anything for you. There was one little revelation in the last so- episode that I was like, uh, I don't know if I want you going down that path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. They know what they're doing. Oh, I yeah. mean, I think that that's, uh, which is really great, considering kind of where Star Wars has been. I, I, I'm a big fan of the sequel trilogy, but it definitely you can tell that they weren't really talking to each other in terms of m- meta plot, like the yeah. the uh, larger the larger plot of what's going on, which is on par with the, <laughs> the first trilogy, because <laughs> uh, they didn't really know what they were doing with that one yeah, and right. the prequel trilogy. Oh my goodness! Uh. But um, like Star Wars has always just kind of been a, a we'll figure it out as we go type situation. But the nice thing about the Mandalorian is it's they definitely know where they're going. Everything is very intentional and it yeah. feels and it's pretty it's not more complicated than it needs to be. No. Uh it's so much a Western. Like yes. that's the the first episode where he uh sees the marshal and then the the Tuscan Raiders are basically stand-ins for Native Americans in a traditional like it's a straight up traditional Yeah. Uh, Western motif with all of the like the townspeople have to work with the Native Americans to stop this one beast that's doing this thing, and even the music has like that Western. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They know what they're doing. He's a gunslinger. Like it, and it it works so well. It is so great. And even the child, even the child is adorable, continuously adorable, without being super sweet. Like it hasn't gone porg. Right. Right, yeah. just the right amount of comic relief, mm-hmm. without being too ludicrous. I was thinking in the most recent episode is like they keep cutting away this baby a whole lot. I wish they just like <laughs> it's it's just reaction shots. Like in the first yeah. several episodes, it's like baby doesn't do anything, child doesn't do anything. It's just like mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So number seven, The Mandalorian on Disney oh, Plus. Yeah. Well, I will go with my number seven is also a television show. And it is um, something I've talked about in the past. And it's actually a show that that is no longer being made. But it's it's relatively contemporary. Uh, the show Adventure Time. 
Yes. Adventure Time is fantastic. It's on HBO Max in its entirety. I think it is also still on Hulu, and it's on uh, Tyler's iTunes purchases, so I still <laughs> have it as well. Uh, but it is, uh, and there, there's a whole lot of episodes. There's like over 160 episodes, and each episode is like 11 minutes long in the classic uh, Cartoon Network style. Um, and it just has, it's one of the most creative shows on television and and it and it it tricks you it feels like a really creative sixth grader drawing cartoons in study hall drawing like comic strips that are not for not to give to anybody and and it's overly complicated but overly simple at the same time and has this 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 wonderful tone to it and the very first time i saw it and i think i've said this before it really feels like it's going to be a uh, adult swim show where it starts off kind of innocent and then goes real gross and real like incredibly like crass and stuff like that. And it doesn't, it never does outside of like jokes about butts and smooches. Like it never really, uh, it always feels like, and that's why I didn't watch it with my kids for a long time. Cause I was like, I'm sure it's going to get yeah. raunchy, but it never does. It's very innocent. And it has a point like the whole, this larger story of inclusion and acceptance and that violence is not the answer, like mm. is not the solution to stuff. Like there's this larger growth of all of these characters. And this one character, Princess um, Bubblegum, who is like a main character who is like good, turns out to kind of be the bad guy. Like you realize that her way of doing things is actually, she's not a benevolent leader. She's She kind of is very self-motivated. And, uh, but it's a kid show. Like, But it's perfect for like eight to 15 year old kids basically uh in that it's really funny and like you can get it on just like fun level every show is really quick uh lots of fart jokes but uh but it's never mean and they always are trying to do what's best and again just the way in which it leads to like trying to accept people but then this creativity of the ways in which stuff is dealt with it's just and it's drawn really interestingly like it's really it's a fun show to watch it's really there's lots of visually really cool things going on it's like very surreal it's just this perfect meld of all these different things it's it's uh, all the right it, notes it really does and it's really it's just and and it's a great thing to just try out and you can kind of jump in at any point although it does grow over time it's not like one larger story so you can watch shows just from any point hmm. and you'll still get it sometimes they'll have like three or four that are one larger episode broken into chunks but um, most of it is just you can just sample it and, and get a good sense of what it is. So nice. that's my number seven is Adventure Time. Available on HBO. HBO Go. Max and Hulu currently. Oh. HBO needs, this is an aside, HBO needs to stop renaming their streaming services. Because <laughs> there was HBO Go, HBO Now, now there's HBO Max. Like I Pick one. Just stick with yeah. it so I can yep. you know, try and keep up. I think HBO Now is gone because that is what HBO Max Basically is now. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, don't know. I love it. It's great. It's phenomenal. It is confusing. Yeah. Yeah. But just stay in your lane, folks. Pick a name and yep. stick with it. Yeah. Number six, controversial choice that I would choose to highlight this as a cultural movement, but I don't think we would have gotten through the year without it. Zoom. The oh, platform yeah. Zoom. Yeah. Uh, we, it, again, like all things on this list, it's complicated, right? Because who among us. Yep at this point enjoys sitting down on the the 14 person zoom meeting it's a, it's obnoxious it's absolutely obnoxious however first of all roughing the pastor would have been dead in the water 
Oh uh, yeah, so many things. And we've been able to have so many guests that we, we did it with Zoom before the pandemic. Like that's when we kind of tried a guest. We had Rachel Jones on, pre-doc yep. Rachel Jones. Uh, and we zoomed with her and kind of got the, we got it figured out just in time, but yep. absolutely. And, yeah. And the, and the way in which it can still sound like we're in the same place, I think is pretty great too. Yeah. Uh, our, uh, church planning and revitalization course was saved by zoom. Uh, yeah. and, and to well, this saved. <laughs> yeah. To this day, uh, that's the only set of zoom. That's the only multi-person zoom call that I've actually like looked forward to. Uh, yeah, is that particular group? I have really enjoyed uh, as a pastor, and we have to do all these meetings. What I've appreciated is that the Zoom meeting, while um, tedious at times, has proven that we don't always have like it's it's easier for most people to commit a proper hour to something mm-hmm. rather than an hour and twenty minutes with travel time. Or I mean, if the right. meeting goes longer, but like that being able to zoom from your house and be done with the meeting and then you can just immediately get to your stuff like is more fair to these volunteers who are doing their stuff. There's actually very little business that is hampered by a zoom call. Right. Um, I think what was worst was at the beginning. That's all true. But I think what we did with that information at the very beginning, at least for me, I had multiple days where it was like zoom call, zoom call, zoom call, zoom call, zoom call. And you missed that natural like even just the walk down the hall yeah. from one meeting to another meeting yeah. you know for like, multiples yeah for the for the the single meeting it's perfect yeah for realizing oh i can just go from meeting to meeting to meeting with no travel time uh horrible that's, that's bad so you have yeah. to protect yourself you have to build in space in your calendar for for travel and i think a whole travel i think a whole lot of people have figured that out like it's not as bad now yeah. as it used to be but like who in the beginning is just walk upstairs from the basement exhausted yeah. Um, but again, I think, you know, it's allowed connection on a level that would have been seriously a problem before. Uh, I think this pandemic would have been a whole different story if we didn't have this particular technology to guys through, let alone on the church level, like on an economic level. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. There, there are jobs that would just cease to exist if Zoom wasn't around. Um, I, uh, well, and I repeatedly or continually have been saying to people like, Whenever we complain about the pandemic, I say, like, I just, I think it's important to remember, like, if this had happened five years ago, Whole different we, it would have destroyed the country. Yeah. Like, in a way that people act like, oh, we can't, like, we wouldn't have known what to do. Like, no. we wouldn't have had any, I mean, everyone's job would have just been gone. Like, basically, the, this telecom, like, we had Skype, but n- that doesn't work. Nope. And not like this. happened 10 years ago where we weren't all streaming everything, like, that. Uh, that kind of stuff, I, like it just uh, the technology hit us perfectly yep. for where we are with this pandemic, and yep. I think that that's worth acknowledging, even though uh, we don't have to celebrate the pandemic or celebrate right. that we we're forced into this situation. Knowing that we have the gifts and the opportunities to still connect with people, like yes, this connection is not the same as meeting in person, but it's still better than no connection. Right, and we need to recognize that we have that ability to do stuff and, and I, i'm with you i'm i'm on board with zoom oh yeah and and as an honorable mention here at number six the wireless airpods um uh, for the maneuver of mute your camera make sure you mute your microphone <laughs> uh but i will confess now that we're done with it uh that there were multiple times in that church planting class that i would get up in the middle of a conversation 
go to my kitchen, go to my bathroom with the headphones in and still listen to whatever anybody was saying at the time. So number six, Zoom. Okay, my number six is going to be three. So this is podcasts. Yeah. So I'm going to give you three podcasts that have really carried me through. Two of them I think I've mentioned before, so I'll just say them really briefly. I'm curious Um, what what I'm subscribed to. Let's see. Yes. So one is called uh, Wicked Game, American Elections Wicked Game. I've I've mentioned this a couple times, but I highly recommend it. So this guy, whose name is Lindsey Graham, he's not that Lindsey Graham. The advertisements uh, for that always confuse me. (laughs) Change your name, dude. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You have a middle name. Go by that. Uh, So, and he... um, like six months or so decided to come out with a weekly podcast that each episode is about 45 minutes long, um, that goes through every single presidential election Mm. from George Washington. And so not just every single president, but every election. And it tells it it both dramatizes, but like well-researched, well-presented kind of here is it's, it's a little documentary every week about every single election. And it's really compelling. And again, I, I mentioned this before, but it helps you get all the way up. And it goes from Washington to the 2020 election. And I don't, I'm not even sure if the 2020 ep- election episode has come out yet because that story is like kind of still going on. No, he's, uh, he's at uh, Clinton versus Trump. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it says at the end of the last one, the next, the last episode will come out when, when it, when we have the story. When it's over. Uh, and I have, I keep not checking because I, it's one of those things where I don't want to like finish the last chapter. Um, but it's, it was, it was fantastic. And hmm. so, uh, wicked American elections, wicked game. Uh, highly recommend. It's just good for knowing about elections, and he does a good job of kind of just presenting it factually. As, like yeah, it's, as it's, it is, it's not commentary on these elections. It's just like here's what using um, contemporary, like contemporaneous voices and sources from the time. So you hmm. get a good sense of like here's what people thought about uh, uh, William Henry Harrison while yeah. it was happening, <laughs> not what we think about. Um, and it's it's just great. So uh, American Elections Wicked Game. The second one uh, I've definitely mentioned a bunch because a part of the this podcast is intent in, in some ways structurally uh, based a little bit on this podcast called Omnibus. Omnibus, mm, yes. which has um, Ken Jennings, who yep. was the Jeopardy champion, and a guy named John Roderick, who was an indie rock darling, uh, the uh, lead singer of a band called The Long Winters, which is very good. Highly recommend it. Especially you in particular, Jay, would like. They have a song called Cinnamon. Uh, which is has uses polyrhythms in a really compelling way. So yeah. and the like the drummer is doing a very different rhythm than the rest of the band. So highly recommend like check out Cinnamon by the Long Winters. It's a bonus little nugget for you. Um, but they're just a really neat. They just deal with this esoterica of like they find an interesting topic and they just talk about it for an hour. And That's they're both super smart guys. We should do that. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and it's they're just both super smart guys who are fun and and it's a. Um, they do two a week. And so there's a bit, they've been doing it for maybe three years. And so there's a big chunk. There's probably like 500, 600 episodes like it, it. And, and they're all like, if you like trivia stuff, if you like learning about random things, like they do like freeze dried ice cream and they'll just tell about the history about it. And then, uh, and they also take a long time to get to the topic, like some podcasts I know. And, uh, so <laughs> that the omnibus is, it's just an, it's an enjoyable kind of fun, um, podcast that teaches you about random things it's like it's just like going into wikipedia and just randomly clicking on stuff remember when we used to do that i'm I'm not ignoring you i am uh, this should this should go on the on the list somewhere but apple music slash spotify 
I love when a friend makes a listen to this recommendation yep. that I can literally just pull up the phone yep. and make it happen. Yeah. Uh, I see you've got the Long Winners album. Yeah. Let's do that. So, and then the third podcast, which is I definitely haven't mentioned before, but this is just a funny podcast. Uh, and uh, it's a little harder to find, but it's called The Worst Idea of All Time. And it is two <laughs> New Zealand guys who just came up with the idea. And I think they're comedians, but I don't know. They're, they're just two funny guys from, from New Zealand. And their idea was we are going to watch the movie Grown Ups 2 <laughs> every week for a year. And they have not seen Grown Ups 1. So they just randomly picked, like, what is the worst movie that we could think of? Well, and the correct then, like, answer the there dumbest. is Sex in the City, whatever you made me watch yeah, on the yeah, airplane. Yeah. So that yeah, but, it but came from that. Uh, but so that, that and they and this so the Grown Ups 2 is an Adam Sandler movie where he clearly, like, it's current Adam Sandler where he does not care. Yeah. And he's just trying to make money. And it's clearly just. He just wants to hang out with his friends. So it's Adam Sandler, uh, Kevin James, Chris Rock, David Spade, Rob Schneider, like all these guys just doing dumb stuff. And they are the the worst of what Adam Sandler does. And Adam Sandler still does some really good stuff. Yes. So I think Adam Sandler is great. I, I I'm glad that we have Adam Sandler. But Grown Ups <laughs> Two is the is the and when he when he didn't get uh, nominated for Uncut Gems, which like so he came out with this movie Uncut Gems last year, which was so great and like real Adam Sandler acting. And he joked that if he didn't get nominated, he was going to make Grown Ups 3 <laughs> and he didn't get nominated. <laughs> so I love that even Adam Sandler knows like, yeah, they're terrible, but yeah. people like them. So it's just these two New Zealand guys and they watch it every single week. And then they, they immediately record after they've watched it, talking about it. And it's just really funny <laughs> listening to these guys talk about this movie that they hate. And they, they every time they say, we cannot tell you enough. Do not watch the movie. Grown Ups. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they're not trying not to get once, you to know let about alone, it. Yeah. yeah they're, they're like, I, we, we say this every week. I know that by this point, you'll probably want to watch it. Do not watch it. Don't like, do it, it. It, it. There's nothing redeeming about it, <laughs> but they start coming up with like, what the movie's actually about. and it's funny watching when they've uh, I, I i uh i'm now about halfway through it so they've watched it uh so many times and i think that the, they do a second season i think they watch sex of the city too as, oh, their, yes. as their second season I'm but it's something that. something like that so uh yeah those are those are my three those those podcasts so wicked game omnibus and the worst idea of all time podcasts are my number six. Oh, that's a good number six that's a very good number mm. six Number five for me, a repeat, but for different reasons. Uh, Sir Benjamin Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie. Yes. And yes. I'll tell you why. Because he started something that he did way more than anybody else did. Other artists picked up on this, but he did it a lot. Uh, when the pandemic struck, I was extremely sad because my friend David uh, had picked up tickets for us to go see young Benjamin Gibbard back in April. Uh, remember April? It was like six years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously that show got canceled uh, with COVID. So Ben Gibbard started in response to canceling all these shows doing a nightly, nightly for the first bit of the pandemic live stream. Uh, I think, wait, before you get into that, the, my, my, the pandemic started for us. I think I've said this before, but it officially started for us when we were at the door of cafe of club cafe in, in Pittsburgh. Oh going to the Caroline Rose concert and we were there like ready to open. And then they came out and they were like, sorry, can't, shows canceled. Like the band was inside. They had just told them that the, the show was canceled. Everything was like, that is for the me, there's a hard start to the pandemic. Me too. It was on the 13th of March. 
and boom. Yeah. And then we were locked down from that. So, that, I, I mean, it wasn't just like, oh, this thing next week I can't do. is like immediately no. this door is closed to me and now we need to go into our house and never come out again. We, we uh, For me, it's a similar story. I was uh, mulling over a job offer by a church by the name of Laboratory Presbyterian Church. <laughs> and I was in uh, Nashville, Tennessee for a training uh, and using that time to kind of think through everything and decided I wanted to accept the offer. So I called them, accepted the offer. And as I hung up the phone, I can still see on the news in my hotel room, the NBA canceled the season. Oh, yeah. And I went, that's going to impact the phone yeah. call that just proceeded. <laughs> like there's a, something went wrong that we're going to have to address. It's still fun to think about how that started in San Francisco and Seattle. And where we were that we were in San Francisco and Seattle. <laughs> Thinking, oh, this weird thing. I hope we didn't get this weird thing that we'll never hear from again. Yeah, we so, are sorry, patient. I interrupted. Ben Gibbard. We are patient. Doing... So yeah, somewhere in there around March, you know, mid March, uh, Ben Gibbard every single night started doing live streams crazy. from his house, yeah. uh, and they were about forty five minutes to an hour each. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a full set. And he has a deep enough repertoire between Death Cab for Cutie. Postal Service, all-time quarterback, which is a project of his that gets often overlooked, mm-hmm. uh, and his solo yeah, stuff. It's probably it's probably like eleven or twelve Death Cab albums. Yeah, Death Cab has Death Cab has a big yeah. discography. Yeah. Uh, they have five albums before anybody knew of them. Yeah, like that. Yeah, and some of those are really great. Uh, oh, they're great. They're all great. But that was so sweet because you know. So I'm a pretty big Death Cab fan, as evidenced by they were on the list last year. Um, mm-hmm. So I was loving it. But Sarah traditionally does not like Death Cab for Cutie, claiming they're, quote, too sad. And she's right. They, they are. They are. They are too sad. Uh, but it was- You should watch uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things <laughs> while you're listening to Death Cab. <laughs> <laughs> Just, and then do black eyeliner, too. Go full emo uh, yeah, yeah, all, all yeah. the way. But it was this nightly ritual for us, because uh, he played, I think it was- it, it, I forget what time it was, but it was right around bedtime for the boys. So like mm-hmm. put the kids to bed and then watch Ben Gibbard play a concert. And in a, a season of just pure chaos and who knows what's going on, it was so nice to have that nightly. We're going to watch Ben. We're going to watch Ben. We're going to watch Ben. Like yeah. it, it just, it was a constant your repeat. Friend, hanging out with your friend Ben. Yeah. Just, we, yeah. He invited us into his living room. Uh, it was great. So I stole from him and did a weekly yeah, uh, worship jam, which we're bringing back for Advent because we're all shut oh, down nice. again. Uh, nice. So, so tune in on Wednesdays. But Jesus is a friend of mine. I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be Christmas music, Tyler. I don't know how. That's Christmas music. But Santa Jesus. is a friend of mine. Santa. Yeah. What, what kind of church you go to? Yeah. Well, the good kind. <laughs> so anyway, so num- the, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say on on a similar level. Um, there's a band that hasn't does it, done it every night, but a band from New Orleans called Sweet Crude mm. that is fantastic. Uh, highly recommend. Check out Sweet Crude. They're they're wonderful. And they're, they have two... There's like six members of Sweet Crude, but there's two main singers, a, a guy and a girl um, named Sam and Alexis. And so they have been... And you can... A lot of their shows are on their YouTube channel, um, putting on shows twice a week. And most of them have been for free. Every once in a while, they do a Patreon one, but... Um, they're just so that they can play stuff and, and put out their songs and, and to the band is a big band with kind of presentation, lots of drums, lots of kind of new Orleans vibe to it. Most of their songs are sung in Creole French, which is really compelling. Um, 
but they use like synthesizers and stuff like like very modern music it doesn't sound like zydeco necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. but very modern stuff but half of it's in french um and they're just a great band and really fun but then to when they've been performing it's just been the two of them which is a very different sound because they don't have a guitar in their band but they it's just him playing guitar and her singing when they're playing by themselves so that uh yeah check out sweet crude check out ben gibbard that is mm. a fantastic number six that was number that was five? that was number five, was number yeah. five. <laughs> It would have been a great right. number six too, but it, it would have been a better yeah. number six. Oh, okay. All right. Great. <laughs> All right. My number five, it is new clothes. Wow. And so in the course of the pandemic, I have, I somehow lucked into, so two specific things. Uh, they are Patagonia mm. and Goodfellow and company, which yes. is uh, the new target brand of newish target brand of men's wear. Yep. Um, and I discovered them both in the midst of this pandemic. One, at the very beginning of the pandemic, I uh, needed a new jacket and have long wanted Patagonia stuff, but it's crazy expensive. It and, is. Uh, so never wanted to drop that. But then I always get like fast fashion, like Walmart knockoffs, and then they fall apart after two years. So it's like, yes. if I spend some real money on a jacket that's gonna last me like 10 or 15 years, I think that's worth it. Uh, so I went and somehow randomly just found this sale. So they sell these jackets. They're usually like 200 bucks. Yeah. Uh, and I found one for like 90 bucks, which is still way more than I usually would spend on a jacket. But I was like, I'll try it. I remember so this because I, I almost hopped in on this sale with you. Yeah. Yeah. I somehow lucked into it. And so the w- the crazy thing is that I bought, <laughs> I got four of them. Wow. Knowing I was going to send some back. Just this because I, it was, everything was closed. And it's like, yeah. I don't know what style I want. So I just got them all on a credit card knowing I'm going to send at least two of them back. Um, and ended up doing that. It took forever for the refunds to get back. So that, I mean, it was like a little shady, not shady, but a little more, <laughs> it <laughs> was more stupid than I thought that move was. <laughs> but in the course of that, um, so I got these jackets, got them at my usual extra large size, especially for a jacket, cause you want to be able to put some stuff on. And then I lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. Uh, and, which I've mentioned, but I'm not sure I've actually left it in the episodes. I've lost 50 pounds since You're up March. To 50. 50 yeah way to go man um and it's really just by not eating as much uh yeah. which is gross to, just to show you how much i was eating before so i lost <laughs> a lot of weight and i'm back to kind of like the way in which my body wants to look instead of the way in which i was forcing it to look uh, <laughs> but it meant that this new jacket this this very expensive jacket that i got now doesn't fit me and so i kept wanting to take it back to the patagonia store which is in um and the side. south side yeah shady side uh and but it was always closed and so um I finally was able to take it back like three months after I bought it. And the Patagonia people are fantastic. They're oh, super they're nice. Great. And so I was like, I would like to exchange this for a smaller size, but it had to be the exact color. They didn't have it. And so they're like, okay, you can exchange it for um, a large, an extra large down to a large, uh, but you're gonna have to pay the difference between the price. Cause it's not the same thing as like, well, can I just get the same one? They're like, well, let's look it up. Cause usually our, our other stores may have it and it'll be, and the lady was like, it might even be a little cheaper. And so, she was able to find the exact thing in a large. And so this jacket that I already paid half of what it should be, it was then half off again. So I paid, <laughs> ended up in a van, like maybe $50 for this $200 jacket. Nice. Uh, and I did that with three of the jackets. So I, I ended up keeping three of them and paid less than the cost of one for these three. The irony is that I switched them all down to larges. I'm now a medium. So they're all still big on me now, but I'm, I can't switch them again. So yeah. it'll just be slightly bigger than they should be. But uh, boy, living in medium land, I was not expecting that. Yeah. Side note on Patagonia, there are two pieces of media that Patagonia has done. Well, I'll go three. 
that that are really really good if you're interested because like patagonia gets a bad rep for being like the bro brand sometimes like a lot of frat boys yeah. wear patagonia stuff a like little that. bit yeah yeah but like north face even more so right uh yeah but yeah patagonia definitely especially hats there's a book yvonne schnauernard i never say his last name right schnauernard um yeah schnauernard who founded it sure great yeah. uh his book let my people go surfing phenomenal there's a so he's he's french canadian yeah. Like it sounds, he sounds really, really foreign, but he's just from like a hundred miles north of America. He's nuts. Uh, yeah. He's straight up nuts in the greatest. He's great, like 80 now. Yeah. yeah. In the greatest possible way, he's nuts. Uh, so on that note, there's a movie called 180 Degrees South mm-hmm. uh, that he's in and. Uh, and the Patag- of North Face. Yeah. Uh, Doug yeah. Tompkins, who died in yeah. a kayaking accident. Again, they're mm-hmm. nuts. Yeah. Um, but that's a great movie. It's not even so much about the clothes. It's just about um, an adventure that this young man takes, and they help him out with it. It's great. Uh, and then worn wear. And this is what I think really sold me on uh, Patagonia. You can find this quick movie. It's like a half hour on YouTube. Worn wear, where a clothing manufacturer actively works to get you to buy less of their clothes. Yeah. Uh, because they want you to repair what's broken and make it last longer because they so yeah. care about the environment and what uh, making new clothes will do. So they will actively repair your clothing for you. So like if your jacket rips, take yeah. it to the Patagonia store. And if you don't want it anymore, they will buy it from you to yeah. sell it to somebody else. Yeah. they. So that was uh, the big thing about Patagonia is like, as I was looking at it and at first I was just like, I just like this brand. Like it just seems cool. And then I really started reading about it and just they are a company that is doing everything they can to be like fair trade sustainable and they want you to buy less of their stuff and so the cost of the jacket is not lining the pockets of i mean they are a company that makes money but sure it's not they're not rolling around in their money they are giving fair wages to the people who make their stuff they're using sustainable products which cost more and they're also constantly innovating to try to make it more sustainable and so uh, and, this and jacket which, that I have that's incredibly thin is incredibly warm because it uses all of these recycled materials that d- they don't even try to use wool if they can because they want to. Uh, the, the wool is good to shear off of sheep, but when you have to shear off so much wool to make millions of jackets, then you have to get into these kind of like m- like these ethically questionable practices. Yeah, yeah. kind of uh, conveyor belt farming, which and is it's, not great. It's legitimately high quality. Uh, I have oh, yes. Patagonia jackets that I bought, got to be close to like five, ten years ago, that are still mm-hmm. as new as could be. Uh, yeah. and, and they'll fix them if 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 they break, you can take them in. They'll fix them for you. Yeah, it's great. So that's my so Patagonia is the the big one. The other one is uh, Goodfellow and Company, which is again that's uh, the Target brand of clothes. And I just kind of accidentally found it by um, uh, I went to 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 a thrift shop to get some new clothes because all my clothes don't fit anymore. <laughs> and there, I found someone had, right before me had come in and just dumped a bunch of Goodfellas stuff. And I was like, I remember it's like, I think that's the target brand. So maybe I'll try these on. And I tried them all on. They fit really well. And they also, I don't know as much about them from, um, from Patagonia stance, but I know that they are trying to be sustainable as well and advertise themselves as such. So yeah. it's well-made clothes that are really comfortable um, and more or less sustainable, but they just feel very good. So yeah. that in general, the Patagonia one has more 
my soul feels good about the fact that I'm, uh, and I will continue to buy stuff from Patagonia because I feel like it's really good. And um, when I need, I mean, not every year, but when I need it and I can find good deals and stuff, that's, uh, I want to support a company like that. And, and Goodfellas stuff is good it's too. Really and good it also too. just the, the other side of that is that it feels good that I have to get new clothes because I'll, uh, taking better care of my body, which is not how I thought the pandemic would go. I thought no. it would go the opposite direction. I was going to say, I uh, think I found your 50 pounds. Yeah. 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 And I don't know what happened. There wasn't some revelation. It was just like one day I was like, hey, I'm going to eat less. And I, <laughs> I kept it up. That's and, the uh, most Tyler Donsky way to approach that. Is, yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to try. And I, I've only, I only eat when I'm hungry and I'm really not that hungry. I love eating and I could eat all the time, but uh, I don't need to. And so I'm, and coffee has sustained a lot of that. So yeah. if I, the more coffee I drink, the less uh, hungry I am, which is, I'm sure, not super healthy. But no. uh, I feel feel better. And I'm 41, and, and I don't hurt when I wake up, which is <laughs> a new thing for me. That hasn't <laughs> happened for quite a while. That's good. Uh, so, so that's my number five is new clothes. Number four. He has somehow become a pop cultural icon. Uh, but I am grateful for Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, oh yeah, I think, Fauci. Needs, I think he needs to make the list. Uh, he is the perfect combination. Do you of, have Audible? I do have Audible. Okay, because there's a uh, like a three hour um, biography on Fauci, just called Fauci. That's free if yeah. you're an Audible member. So I got when I you're think, done with the with Barry's say, I think, book. I think I got three weeks left of Barry, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> go go to Fauci because it's a quick, especially if you want to half it. One and a half yeah. speed it. That's I almost put the one and a half speed button as my thing because I love uh, one. You just speed it up and it keeps the tone right. So it just seems like they're like really excited while they're reading the book instead of uh, <laughs> sounding crazy. Yeah. Yep. If you ever wanted to hear what uh, Doctor O oh, and uh, President Obama sounded like on a Red Bull, this is the one yeah. and a half speed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what I go for. But uh, Fauci, I didn't even know who he was before the pandemic, like most people. But I think I saw him first on Meet the Press or something, and he was just so calm and straightforward about what we were dealing with that he, like before he was a guy I, or before he was like the pop culture icon that he's kind of become, I was mm-hmm. like, that's the guy I want to listen to on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he's, he's not sugarcoating it. Right. Like he wasn't like, Oh, it's going to be fine. Everybody's going to be okay. I was like, no, we got to do some stuff. Uh, just wear your mask, wash your hands. You'll be okay. Uh, this is going to be tough, but we can get through it. What really sold him to me was the opening pitch at the Washington nationals game. <laughs> where I think he found a way to be worse at baseball than I am. I don't I But adorably not. so. Oh, it so was, adorably it was so. Adorable. Yeah. Like I could not have fathomed how bad that was. Great job. Great job, Tony. That was It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, I uh I, I don't know what will become of him in the coming months. Uh I, I have a funny feeling we might hear from him more, which would be music to my ears, but Yeah. Dr. Fauci. He is a, he's a wonderful, he's, wonderful. He's and a, the accent, a national really. treasure, the accent yeah. ties it all together. That slight Brooklyn, yeah. you know? Yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah. He sounds like he's from a Ghostbusters movie. Yes. Like he'd be yes. in the mayor's office. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the problem. <laughs> uh, okay. That's a great one. My number four is um, very seasonally appropriate. Uh, because there's so my number four is a show called Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes, and sir. Every year, so it it started in the early 90s, I think 1990, yeah. 
uh, I'm probably not the early 80s or late 80s in terms of uh, when it was on public access. So it was on public access in Minnesota. It got picked up by Comedy Central in 1990 or 91. And uh, it's just this show where uh, the whole premise is that it's this guy locked, it, lost in space on the space shuttle and he is being tortured by these mad scientists where they make him watch terrible movies to try as a psychological experiment to try to break his brain. And he created these robots to help him. And so that is the, that doesn't matter. But right. the whole point of the show is they watch these old B movies, often from the fifties and sixties, and they sit in front and make fun of the movie. Yep. And and you see the silhouettes of them like they're in a movie theater. So it's the guy and his two puppets, and it's hilarious. And it they have uh, for since the nineties they had done this thing called Turkey Day on, Mar- on Comedy Central where they did a marathon of mystery science theater shows on Thanksgiving. And so growing up, that was my Thanksgiving was watching Mystery Science Theater. Um, and then it went away for a while. And then they rebooted it uh, like three years ago on Netflix. And it was fantastic. And they brought in Jonah Ray as this as the new host. And he was great. And they did um, uh, 13 episodes the first season. And then they did uh, a second season like the next year called The Gauntlet. And the whole idea was that this was the marathon you were supposed to watch all six in one day. Oh, wow. And and they even kind of made it seem like, and so there's 20 new episodes and then Netflix canceled it. Oh. And so, which doesn't make any sense because it costs zero money to make this show. And it's yeah. so good. And they could have just made, they had made 200 episodes before that. So there's like 220. Uh, and it's not, the, the idea can get be rebooted at some point, but the, the versions uh, in this most recent one were so good. And so there's 20 new ones and we go, and they're each like feature length. They're 90 minutes long. Um, but uh, as it comes into Thanksgiving and, and my oldest son now is 11 and he's right at the age that I was when I first started watching it. So, and the, the best thing about this is that the way, the, the way in which they riff, like their rhythm is funny. It's that so even good. if you don't get the joke, it's still funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, especially when I was a kid, like 80% of the jokes, I had no idea what they're, they're making like pop culture references to like the seventies. And some of them <laughs> are just not funny. Yeah. But the way in which they said it was just engaging. And I, I had a VHS tape that I had taped of it uh, that we just kind of keep rewatching. So during the years that they didn't have Turkey Day, we would still watch the, which I digitized. So this DVD of six hours of MST3K. Um, and uh, now that my son is watching it and we can watch it together and he kind of doesn't get the jokes, but he's laughing really hard at stuff and he always wants to watch it. And it's just great. And knowing that this is coming up and that this that Thanksgiving always has that, that time uh, of just having mystery science theater on in the background like you kind of can half watch it and half do other stuff and yeah. it just is it's just great I, I love that we live in a world where that thing existed and that it still is kind of there um they had a kickstarter to bring it back and i helped i was part of that kickstarter and that felt really good too so uh since turkey day is it's the season for mst3k uh that is my number four is mr science theater 3000 so good that's a throwback to college for me. I, I can't even remember mm. what which movies i watched a mystery science theater but it was that oh, was yeah. what you did in yep. college at the end of a long day watch your mystery science theater so i highly if you're going to dip into it get the, the i would say watch mac and me on uh the netflix version so there's this movie mac and me that i saw in the theater when it came out the first time <laughs> it's a, so the netflix they have a little bigger budget so they get some like a little bit better movies but not really um and Mac and Me was the biggest one where Mac and Me was a major studio release and it's a total copy of E.T. It is trying to <laughs> recapture the magic of E.T. And it is 
terrible. <laughs> it is astoundingly bad. And the, and so that's a great one to kind of dig into that one. And then they do Wizards of the Lost Kingdom, which is a movie that you shouldn't have heard of, but it, it's just a really <laughs> funny one. So if you want to test out Mystery Science Theater 3000, it, you don't have to watch them in order. Uh, go to Mac and Me first and then jump into Wizards of the Lost Kingdom. And then you should kind of get a good sense of what they are and, and just go with it from there. But they're all they're all great. Yeah. Uh, so I highly recommend it. Number three. Uh, he's had a big year. This is another borderline repeat for me. Uh, but he's had a big year. If no other reason than Jimmy Dykstra keeps putting him at the top of his uh, best movies of 2010. Uh, Aaron Sorkin is my yep. number three this year. Uh, he's had a very big year. First of all, the West Wing... Uh, special episode got the, the remake of a particular episode from the original series i was impressed by how much they all still have it <laughs> every mm-hmm. actor that's in that oh, show yeah. absolutely still has the game to do what needs to be done uh but so sorkin wrote that he's written there's something on netflix i haven't seen yet and only because i feel like it's the kind of thing i need to wait till the kids go to bed and it just timing hasn't worked out but the trial of the chicago seven yeah. is on netflix right i've heard now. it i've heard it's pretty good and sorkin wrote that so i can anticipate uh the the usual sorkinisms in it um, the one review that i heard about it though was uh saying it, it's really good and it's a shame that such a sharp uh insightful screenwriter has to work with such an inexperienced director as aaron sorkin because <laughs> <laughs> he he wrote it he wrote the yeah. screenplay but he also directed it and they're like it's really it's a better written thing that like you could see the limitations of him as a director in that but well that's uh, he, but, he, but i've heard it's really good i also heard he he i haven't seen this one yet either and i'd like to but uh he directed molly's game yeah like i've okay. heard similar things about that too yeah like stay in your lane Sorkin. and you're a good writer and yeah, yeah. don't don't try this directing business where they're not bad but they're just not as good as they it's right. not the social network or money uh, a few good men or, or yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, A Few Good Men. I bought that. Uh, iTunes had a sale on that a little while ago. And it's mm. still a good movie. Tom it's great. Ha- Tom Cruise can't pull out. The drunk scene made me laugh now, having <laughs> talked about it in our Tom Cruise episode. <laughs> but it's still, it's a great oh, movie. My. It's a great film. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. So Sorkin, I also rewatched The Newsroom. If you haven't seen that show, that's a great show. Uh, Time I like Capsule. Sports Night. Did you ever watch Sports Night? I watched a little bit of Sports Night. That show yeah. never really knew what it wanted to be. Was it a comedy? No, it was it a, you know? Oh, man. Another one that didn't know what it wanted to be that I loved was Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. I just rewatched the whole thing from start oh. to finish. Where did, I do you Studio have it? 60. On I own DVD? it on iTunes. I, I love that one. I keep yeah. waiting for that to go on sale on iTunes, and, and it's uh, I might just have to pull the trigger on oh. it because I, I really like that one. And that was, you can see the first couple episodes. That, so that was basically. Uh, the West Wing, but set on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And the problem is the, and it came out the same year as 30 Rock. I think we mentioned this before. And 30 Rock basically had the same premise, but it was hilarious. And this showed uh, whenever they tried to do sketches, the sketches were terrible. So bad. And so it it hit, basically by the third episode, they just never show any of the sketches. They never show any of the, the Saturday Night Live show that they're putting on. And then it becomes way better because then you never have to, see them try to tell you, look at this hilarious thing that's not funny not at all. Not even funny at all. Yeah. And you can just imagine like, hey, you really killed on the show tonight. He's like, okay, we'll just buy into the idea that this was funny. Like Aaron Sorkin is not good. He's not a sketch writer. Right. And so when he tries to write sketch, that was just terrible. But the other stuff was great. Yeah. And it had Bradley Whitford and Chandler Bing, which is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That show, oh, 
There's a scene in that show that cracks me up every time, even though I know it's coming, uh, where he's pacing in his office trying to write the show, holding a baseball bat. And the line, his buddy is trying to get him to go out to lunch, and he says, I can't sit around and wait for something funny to happen. I have to make something funny happen. And he sits down, and the back end of the baseball bat goes through the window behind him. And Bradley Whitford just looks out and says, well, you're the best, and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> so just perfect. Uh, great yeah. show. So at number three, Aaron Sorkin. All right, my number three is um, a way in which I've been spending a lot of my time recently. So I have uh, a couple of friends that we have uh, regularly, we kind of met because all of our kids are the same age and all of our wives are friends as well. Like it's it's matched up really well. And um, we have gotten together to play board games pretty mm-hmm. regularly for the past three years. And uh, as the pandemic started, we obviously couldn't do that. And so we kind of shifted into video games. And we first we were playing Gloomhaven via like Steam and we tried to Zoom some stuff and things like that. Uh, but then we found this game called Sea of Thieves. And it's on the Xbox Game Pass thing. Uh, and it's made by Rare, who is the the company that made Goldeneye. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's it's fantastic and it's a pirate game so you you sail but it's an interactive like online thing so you uh and you can have a crew of up to four people which is fantastic because we got four people and you're constantly just going around looking for pirate treasure and fighting pirate ghosts and occasionally other pirates will come and try to steal your stuff and it's just so it's beautiful because you're sailing and it feels like you're sailing and the graphics are are like the water is rendered in in a way that is so realistic but everything else kind of looks a little cartoonish and stuff it's just it's hard to explain but it's just this great game where you go sailing and we play at least once a week if not twice a week um and one of the things that like so you go there's the little quests that you go off and do and you have to work together and you have to fight these skeletons that are buried treasure and solve problems and things like that uh but when you're in the water sharks will eat you uh there's a million ways you can die when you die you get sent to this ghostly fairy of the damned and you have to wait for 30 seconds then you reboot so even that like metric is really good it's basically this big kind of sandbox game where you can just play in it it's this open world situation but there's quests that push you from place to place um and it's just really fun and there's different things like you can play uh little sea shanties on like a hurdy-gurdy and stuff like that and so (laughs) as different and when you have when you say you really have to sail so we'll have different roles and usually i will pilot the ship and then someone else is just get stuff settled and then they'll come up and just play the hurdy-gurdy in front of me or you can you have a a cask of ale and so they'll drink a bunch of ale and then they get drunk and they start stumbling around and then they throw up and so (laughs) we'll do stuff like that like you can throw up on somebody and then it makes them throw up it's like it's all (laughs) kinds of fun like you're really doing these things or you could just goof around and every night always because your ship you you get a new ship every time you you log in and so at the end of everything when we've kind of accomplished all of our stuff and you lose all the inventory and stuff so we will just always end the the night with blowing up our ship or or just like fighting each other and you can't fight each other with swords and stuff like you can't hurt each other with weapons but you can throw like uh grenades at each other not grenades but like molotov cocktails basically and so it'll end with me throwing up on somebody and then them us just having a a battle of trying to blow each other up with stuff which is the most juvenile fun for uh, the whole family yeah yeah, oh it's so great but so it's just these four dads playing this game (laughs) sea of thieves uh it's super fun i'm sure half the people we're playing are also guys in their late 30s and early early 40s or kids that are 12 (laughs) so uh (laughs) that's your demographic range yeah 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 
uh, it's, it's just a great game. And, and that, again, one of those things that it's great because of the connectivity of it. I know you can play it solo. I haven't played it solo because it's just fun to play with, with each other. And we'll get on Zoom. So we'll Zoom while we're playing. You don't need to Zoom, but just right. in order to talk to each other uh, and to work through stuff. And it's just a, it's, it's been a great way to have community even in the midst of this thing. So my number three is Sea of Thieves. Brilliant. Brilliant. Number two. Uh, this, I am embarrassed at how long this movie was recommended to me and I sat on the fence and didn't watch it. And then I watched the first 20 minutes of it and stopped and had to go get Sarah because I was sure she would love it too. It is the film Knives Out. Uh, Yes. It is we did an episode on Knives Out. We yeah, yeah, I don't think was I in it. But you weren't there. No, no. no you weren't there because you hadn't seen it. Yeah, because I hadn't seen it yet, and and yeah. I was like, oh, it's one of the you know, uh, I'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm embarrassed at how long it took me to get into that movie because it's phenomenal. Oh, it's uh, so fun. I think so for, fun. I think first and foremost, you pointed out the sweater game in that movie oh. is. On point, like everybody's got everything. Everything Captain America wears in that movie, I want that whole wardrobe. It's so great. Oh, so good. But like, just a a. I don't even know what to compare it to. Like a, uh, a classic detective story. Uh, that that's not like you know there are murder mysteries that are kind of gory and ghoulish and like what. It's perfect. It's just the right yeah. amount of everything. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, Clue is the closest thing I can think of just because of the yeah. setting, but it's not like Clue at all because Clue's super goofy. Right. And this isn't goofy. This is just really clever, but it's real, like it's just fun. The whole yeah. movie is fun. Yeah. Daniel Craig acts the heck out of his role. Yeah. Uh, Chris Evans does a phenomenal job. He's so oh. great. <laughs> yeah. They're all phenomenal. Great movie. Great yeah. movie. I haven't watched it again because, like, I think it's one of those, like, once you kind of figure it out, but I, every oh, now it's, and again. it's, it it's even better the second time every time you watch because you can see you know how it's happening but it's you know how you know the magic trick yeah you can see it happening and it's so much it's even better after that and um anna i can't remember her last name but the the main character yeah um her their actress's name is anna and and she is wonderful she's in blade runner 2049 and she's fantastic in that too but it's so different but she's a i uh she is, and with all these stars for her to be the main character is it's kind of surprising but she holds her own really well yes she does and it's so so engaging and it, it's oh i love that movie yeah it's really good it's really really good so that was number two that's number two, two. all right my number two is uh it, something that i dug deep into in the middle of the summer so around july and it's the idea it's the thing, but also the idea of national parks. Yes. So that's, uh, we took a national park trip. We took about, uh, I think 16 days, um, that my wife had planned out for like a year and a half. Um, and did this big national park trip out. We flew out to Las Vegas. Uh, we mentioned it before, but we flew out to Las Vegas to the Grand Canyon, did a big strip of, uh, of route, route 66 hit all these old Route 66 things, um, did um, Joshua Tree National Park, did uh, Yosemite, did the Channel Islands in, in California, uh, and did Sequoia National Park and Kings Canyon National Park, and then hit uh, Death Valley on the way home. And 
just the whole idea of national parks, the fact that we have these things. Uh, I recommend watching the, uh, the Ken Burns documentary, uh, The National Parks, our greatest idea. It's like 14 hours, so it'll take you a while. Um, but I think it's on Prime. It's kind of off and on on Prime, so depending on sometimes yeah. it's there, sometimes it's not. Alexa. Uh, but it's is, great. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just this idea that we, um, it's such an idea that wouldn't happen now. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that we haven't screwed it up yet, that we still have these places where we say we're going to protect this because people need to see this. And the, the, the earth is better yeah. when we don't screw it up <laughs> and that we have protected spaces <laughs> like that. And it's just so, and all of these places you can see in pictures and it's not like, Oh, you see it. And it's so different than the picture. Like, yes and no. Like, it's real when you see it. And yeah. the Grand Canyon is a good thing. Like the Grand Canyon is too big for your mind to really d- handle in real yeah. life. And you see it and it's real. And then you move like just, if you see it in your stand, you're like, yeah, it's like the picture. And then you move a little bit. And the way in which the depth perception messes with, like your brain can't handle how big it is. And so it gets real dizzy when you just like step, like start walking beside the Grand Canyon. Cause you're like, things are <laughs> moving differently than they should. Like it's, just, I, I can't imagine how big this is and how far away that is. And, and Joshua tree was incredible. And just, especially Yosemite. I want to live at Yosemite. Yeah. Um, I loved it. And it was just it. Uh, I had done a trip like this when I was a kid, when I was about as old as my oldest son. Um, Oh no, I was nine when, or eight when we did it. And we hit a lot of these things. We didn't hit Yosemite. I, I thought we did, but we hit um, uh, Grand Canyon and stuff like that when I was a kid. And it was just, it was uh, such an important part for me when I was a kid uh, and to have, to have this experience with, with our kids and to recapture these places and to know that like it's expensive, but I, 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 I don't want to wait another 30 years before I go yeah. back. Um, and we were able to catch it in this like amazing window within the pandemic that it opened up for like two weeks and then it yeah. closed again right after we were there. So we just, we hit it perfectly. Uh, I was really nervous that it was a stupid idea for us to do this during the pandemic, but we had been planning it so much and we were able to do it safely. So in retrospect, regardless of how smart it was for us to do it, I'm really glad we did it and it was great. And it will, it's just, it, it, it's so much crap has happened this year um, and continues to happen kind of uh, on a cultural level, on a personal level, on, on all levels that have been really, really hard that this has been a really rough year. 2020 is worth it for this national park trip for me yeah. like that uh, and so many other things like i i always think that it is what it is like i wouldn't get rid of any of this stuff but um i will always think of this year as a great year because of that if nothing else yeah. so my number two is national parks on that note the national park service instagram account if you're not following them whoever writes the captions for their instagram account needs oh, two it's raises so it's, so it's so funny great. uh yeah follow the well, national park service like, and so much of their stuff is um, improbable. Like the infrastructure in these parks, like how did they build this stuff? And and to know it all happened, so much of it, I mean, it was carved out over time, but so much of the infrastructure was built during the Works Progress Administration in the 1930s, which is such a good idea, the Civilian and Conservation Corps, stuff like that. Like we need to do more of that and to see yep. that stuff has held up. And it's like all of these lodges and the and the the things that you can see that they built in the 1930s and they're still doing like that's if we want to rebuild the economy like that's one of those ideas that we just can't get down with anymore the idea of like the government hiring people to build up the infrastructure but we can't agree on how to do that and just using artistry 
for the sake of artistry. And it lasted, I mean, almost a hundred years. So I think we need to do more of that. And it's just beautiful. Like every, every lodge we went into was beautiful. Every space was beautiful. The sidewalks are beautiful. Like the trail, it was, I loved it. I I love it so much and I can't wait to go back. I get so jealous every time you talk about it because I it's easily top of my bucket list to get to Yosemite yeah. in particular. Um, yeah, I, highly well, recommend. Highly recommend. I mean, wait until your boys can can go on a couple hour hike. Yeah. So our kids were like right at the right age. They were uh, eight, nine, and ten at that point. Seven, nine, and ten. Uh, and now, uh, I mean, they're they're definitely in kind of peak place where they could do it and yeah. uh, they all held up like troopers they did a great job it was and they had fun so it was oh. it was wonderful can't wait uh real quick before i get to number one i have a couple of honorable mentions yeah I do and too. The, the reason these are honorable mentions is because these are things that we have talked about at length on the podcast before ah. uh, but they are still 2020 wouldn't have made it without these things number one uh news physical newspapers which again yep. is just the humor well. of last year we had uh, newspapers on the iPad you and I have gone I don't know I don't what I do with mine oh I left this morning's at home yeah it smells so good I read every I think I told you you you've switched over to the New York Times I read every word of the A section every day uh and and I started getting into the business section I try and do that without falling asleep but yeah it's, it's I did. I did recently. I have to go off of the the printed thing because it's a little pricey. So I'm going just digital for a while. Yeah. And then I'll come yeah. back to the print. I I love it every day, but I just can't keep up with it. And yeah. I also like I have a pile of them, which is makes me feel like an old person because I was like, <laughs> oh, I'll read them later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Imagination Movers uh, go on yes! this list for their yes! contribution to my family's sanity during the uh, during the pandemic. We need to get back with the uh, Mover Scott. Said he wanted to come back on, so we need. Oh. To- can't wait. Back out to him. Yeah. Can't wait for for him to come back on. And then uh, this is specific to us, but but uh, it's a concept we've talked about before. Record time. Uh, my boys are old enough now that every night during the pandemic they have wanted to go down into my office, uh, and we do two things, which I think will both make you smile greatly. Uh, we listen to records, uh, so they're big fans of the Beatles. Yep. And uh, Joshi's really gotten into Led Zeppelin, which is something I never thought I'd say out loud, but I love it. Uh, but then while they listen to the music, they play with my thinking putty on my desk. Nice. They love nice. the thinking putty. Uh, so we, it's a usual unofficial sponsor of the, yeah. no, it's not sponsored, but if we were to have a sponsor, that would be our sponsor. That would be the first person I'd reach out to. Putty. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but it's just about 20 minutes every night. That's kind of how we end our day is no matter what, I come down there and we play records, talk about how our day was and they play with thinking putty. Sweet, sweet time together. I love it. So those are my those are my honorable mentions. Do you want to do your honorable mentions now? Yeah, I'll do yeah. my honorable mentions now too. I had a, I had a bunch, uh, the, and and most of these I haven't talked about before, but just um, I just had a lot of stuff. One was the the newspapers. Uh, another was coffee. Just in general, coffee has is really really pulled its weight. It's the, <laughs> the fountain of life. Yeah. Um, a couple of TV shows. So a TV show called The Detectorists, which is just wonderful. It's just a good, like, I don't want to feel, like, I want to feel good about life. Watch that show. Yeah. Uh, it's made by Mackenzie Crook, who was on the British version of The Office, and he plays okay. a character. Complete, he was basically the Dwight on the British version of The Office, and he is 100% not that character in this. <laughs> it's just really, it's about people who use metal detectors searching for stuff in Britain, and there's, like, 13 episodes. It's just the music's beautiful. It's always like outside and like sunny and it's just wonderful. So it's a good, like I want to feel, it's the opposite of like a feel bad yeah. uh, show. <laughs> but it's not schmaltzy or anything. 
So that's great. The show called What We Do in the Shadows is based on a movie uh, made by uh, uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, who were from uh, uh, Fly of the Concords. Well, Taika Waititi's did Jojo Rabbit and all that other stuff. Uh, and then they made it into a TV show. The, the movie is really good. The TV show is excellent. And nice. it is just, it is just, it's on FX. It's so great. And it's basically a, a, like a mockumentary uh, about vampires and so it's just this documentary crew follows these vampires who live in new york and they're hilarious and it's 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 so funny so nice. what we do in the shadows is just a it's a good watch um the uh the show the leftovers this was really close mm-hmm. to being actually on my list At some point we need to actually unpack it but I need it is a show it. it's the opposite of the detectors yeah it's on it's on hbo max it's ultimately about hope and forgiveness but it's a it's the whole show is about grief, but it's everything kind of, you have and, to go through to get there. Yes. And it's written by Damon Lindelof who did lost. So it's like lost. If he was able to keep it to 40 episodes or mm. 30 episodes, uh, like he wanted, like it's, it's lost without any of the, the, the sidetracks that get you a, a mystery and stuff like that. And the whole premise of it is 2% of the world's population just disappears kind of like the rapture. But the, also the, the more brilliant premise that the writers kind of said is that that's how the show starts and we're never going to explain why that happened. Nice. So that's, it's not a mystery show. It's just how everybody deals with that. And 2% of the world's population is not a lot, but it is a lot. It's a number, Like yeah. for people to just, di- and they just disappeared. They were just gone. And, uh, and then it, and the, the first, each season is I think 13 episodes um, or something like that. And uh, the, the, it's based on a book. So the whole first season is that book. And then the second and third season go in completely different directions. They go as far away from the first season as you can, while it's still being a cohesive show, mm-hmm. which is really intriguing. And it starts off, even the theme song's different. You're like, what is the show? And they're in a different place, but it's the same characters. It's really, it's a very, very compelling, sad, important show. Yeah. Um, and again, at some point we need to actually like dip into the, the leftovers of the thing. So that's an honorable mention show. Dr. Who, uh, my kids have been fully on board with that. We've been watching that a lot as a family. That's been great. Um, and the uh, my last, uh, oh, the the Dune series of books, I just want to encourage you, please read the Dune series of books. They're fantastic, especially the first one before the movie comes out if you can. But the good news is the movie got pushed back a whole, an entire year, so it's not coming out until 2022, so um, <laughs> but, uh But yeah, read Dune. It's great. Uh, there's six of the books I'm in the last one right now. Uh, it, they get harder to read, yeah. uh, but they're all really good. And then my last honorable mention, the most important honorable mention is rage against the machine. Oh uh, yeah. It has been so cathartic as I've been going on walks. I've found myself listening to rage against the machine a lot and it's so appropriate right now. And it just feels good, mm. especially during the whole election stuff. Like we need a band like that. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's very angsty and kind of, uh, rap rap rock, they started that which was they did it great and then no one else should have done it no uh so like a lot of terrible well, bands came out of biscuit no <laughs> not. uh but just rage against the machine just like it's a it's a feel it's a vibe yeah. and uh they are frequently uh, i my... found myself just going into them when i'm like on a walk or something and, and it gets me moving and they're frequently on my biking world. playlist yep. like if i'm yep. biking in the in the on the indoor trainer that's where i'm that's where i'm headed yeah all right. So, what is your what is your number one? My number one, uh, because and it's specific to this year, only because of my exposure to it. Uh, it's a small little play by an indie playwright uh, that finally got its due by showing up on Disney Plus. 
Uh, it is the musical Hamilton. Hey. Uh, and, and and for me, what I love about this is, so I, I think I mentioned when we did the Hamilton episode, I intentionally steered clear of it forever. Yeah. Uh, because the way I did with Tiger King. It, well, not, not necessarily for the same reasons, though. Uh, I needed to see it. Like, I was... Uh. I, I didn't want to just listen to a soundtrack and not know who was talking and what character am I listening to now. Yeah. Like, I wanted to marry the visual and the music. So, like, I stayed clear of it, but Sarah did not. So, for mm. years, that soundtrack was playing in the background of, like, cooking dinner or mm-hmm. doing chores mm-hmm. around the house. And then I saw it. And it mm. all kind of, like, clicked in together. I cannot overstate how good Lin-Manuel Miranda is. Like, it's just... Oh, it's, it's so great, yeah. He's so good at... at the, the musical genius wrapped up in that man is outstanding. Uh, and the the way... Again, we talked about all this on the episode, but the way Disney filmed that production, uh, it was just... Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. That oh, I have so, seen a couple so times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel weird with Hamilton because... I am so in love with it now that I keep yeah. going up to people and saying like, have you heard of Hamilton? And almost everybody goes, yeah, where have you been? <laughs> like, why are you just now getting around to this? Like, I know, so, I know. I'm also, slow. have you heard of this president Barack Obama? <laughs> Boy, these two things. <laughs> we should listen to this guy. We yeah. should watch this show. Yeah. 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 So I, I feel like a, you know, Rip Van Winkle, but here I am. Uh, Hamilton, number one. Hamilton is great, and it's definitely it was a big part of the of this year for yeah. for many of us, where we all watched it nonstop for a month. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so my number one is very specific. Mm-hmm. So this is on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion. I have heard great things about this. So they it just came out this past week, and so the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the full series, is on HBO Max. Uh, and they did this reunion where they get everybody back together, and and it's clearly very it's produced by Will Smith because he is in charge of it the whole time, and it's just it was a great show. Uh, like I highly recommend the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, just full stop. It's mm-hmm. a it's a great show, holds up really well. Uh, a lot of misogyny in it, but most of it is not unquestioned. Like most of it, he is kind of gets comeuppance for for it, but uh, it's the, the nature of the '90s. But it's still apart from that, really holds up, and. Um, and it's just a, it's a funny show and it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great show. And so in the, in the, the reunion, they, uh, he has rebuilt the set. And so they meet together in what is the house and it's rebuilt exactly as it was. Yeah. So they, they meet together back in the, the mansion of Bel Air. Uh, everyone is there. Uncle Phil passed away. The actor, James Avery, who played Uncle Phil passed away maybe five years ago. Uh, so he's not there, but there's just this tribute and it's just, it's seeing them all get to get back together. And you could tell that these people loved each other and were a family. And, um, and then they watch these clips and watch stuff and it's just really well done. And then they point out. So if you've, if you've watched the show much, you know that after season three, suddenly aunt Viv, the, the aunt Vivian, the actress who plays that, uh, is gone and it's replaced by another actress who does not look anything like the, the previous <laughs> Aunt Vivian. And they, and the show is so clever that they draw, they break the fourth wall just enough that there's a point at which uh, Jazz, this other character, comes in and just says, You know, Mrs. Banks, something different about you. And he looks straight <laughs> at him. And then Will Smith looks right at the camera, like, uh, Don't, 
don't talk about it. Like, cause it's so obvious that this is not the same person. And that's the only time they really bring it up, but it's so they just write the very first scene she's in. They make a point of saying like, yeah, it's a different person. Yeah. Right. So all of that happens. And if you're just watching the show, you're just like, okay, I, I guess they switched the actors. And it turns out that the actress who played aunt Viv, the original one, um, was fired basically and had a falling out with the cast and everything. And, and it was a, and a dark situation where this cast was so much a family and so deeply connected to each other and have been a part of their lives. And you could see it when they come together. And this other person was not, has not been part of that and had troubles with them on the set and stuff like that for all kinds of reasons. And so at first you think, they could have just done the reunion and it's basically like almost done. Um, now there's another half hour at that point, but it feels like they've done the obligatory, like, Hey, it's fun to see everybody back together. And then he says, Will Smith says we couldn't do this without honoring the contribution of, um, this person who's not here. Uh, and we need to recognize what a great, what a huge role, especially because the Aunt Viv character was really a a central character in the first three seasons and not after that, not in the last three seasons. Um, and so they show some clips of, of her and honor her. And then they show some interviews with her of her kind of explaining her situation where she had had a baby. She was going through a rough time in her life and, and uh, they were going to change her contract and she tried to push against it. And her character was, was becoming really big and they were leaning more back towards, no, this is the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like it needs to be more Will stuff. And she was going to be in less episode. And so she made decisions that make sense for her uh, decisions were made outside of that which makes sense for the show and um so then will and she sit down and and they have not talked for 30 years Hmm. and they have this where clearly they ended poorly and that will was not completely innocent in her not being on the show anymore nor was she so like she kind of made her own bed but uh, definitely he had a voice where he could have saved her and he didn't. And the amount, so all of that buildup is why this is so great, is that it is one of the best examples of forgiveness and mm. grace that I've seen on TV or in any culture for years. Huh. Um, and watching them have this honest conversation that is that is more than just for the cameras. That's just the two of them where you can see them work through this stuff that they've had for so long that it doesn't even matter anymore. And to ask for forgiveness and to grant forgiveness and to have this understanding without being placated. Like there's a point at which she, in in these kind of conversations where she accuses him of some stuff that he's admits to some of it, but isn't gonna own all of it because it's not all his fault. And so like watching that grace of like, not just saying the thing that you want that you feel like needs to be said so the person will say i forgive you that it's like this actual true forgiveness and then the whole cast so the whole cast watches that and then the whole cast joins like she comes and joins them all Hmm. and watching that um i mean obviously it doesn't solve everything and that's that's the point too is like we can't change the past but we can change what's now right and to have this catharsis in the middle of this like fluffy Hey, where are they now? Kind of piece. Like it was incredible and done so well. And you, it hits you really hard and makes you realize that a huge part of forgiveness is not erasing what happened. 
Right. It's being able to move forward without and letting go of that pain. Yeah. And that's what happens in this show. And it's incredible. So that, that's my number one is, is the forgiveness and grace uh, from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion <laughs> on HBO Max. Boy, it just shows up in places you don't expect it to show up, right? Yeah. Like, like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Well, that... So, sticking in the time capsule. Yeah, that, my uh, friends, is the 2020. 2020. Thank you. Thank, uh, thank you. <laughs> this is the 2020 top 10 things we are thankful, to be thankful for, for yeah. in culture. Uh, which leads to the obvious Twitter question. Dear listeners, what are you thankful for in 2020? Uh, uh, culture or otherwise? What what uh, what things are you giving thanks for uh, this year? I will continue to harp on this. Be safe. Absolutely. Wear masks. Don't be around people you don't have to be. Yeah, I will. Don't I will travel if you don't. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, and we and, and we are so close. A third company has a vaccine that is 90% effective. So like. Yeah. We're, we're almost there, folks. Just hang in. Maybe just more by in. the time this comes out. Maybe six companies are out there. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but yeah. but just hang in there. Do what the doctors are saying. We'll be, we'll be back together soon. Well, and, and another thing, that, uh, it's uh, I think we obviously want to express a big thanks to all of you. Yes. The fact that we have been, this is now the second annual, which means that this thing is still, people listen enough to this and enjoy it that we can keep doing it. And it's not just two of us shouting into a bag <laughs> and then throwing it in the garbage. Uh, <laughs> That's what we do and even, other times, yeah. And I think that the, even though the, the release schedule's been a little bumpy over the last couple of months, which really shows, I mean, the pandemic fatigue is, is hitting on all levels. Um, and I, I've said the last several weeks, oh, we're back to regular schedule now, and we keep kind of bumping with that. But we're we we love doing this, and we love being able to engage with you all. And so we're gonna we're gonna keep pushing through. I'm not gonna say we're back to normal schedule, but no. I think we will be. I mean, I think well, it's, it's so, so much I, of, with every effort. Yeah, so much of everything is not normal anymore. So like, yeah, I, I was telling Tyler before we started recording, our church just voted to go back to virtual worship. So I'm literally gonna hang up on this call and go upstairs and instead and well, not instead of be a pastor. At the same time of being a pastor, be a movie producer. And yeah. Like, Welcome just, to to many of our uh, situation for the last seven months. Oh, it's just insane. Yeah. Well, yeah, you. I feel particularly bad for your church because you guys stayed closed longer than most. Yeah. And then you but, came back to in person, and then for a month. Yeah. Yeah. It all I, hit the fan. I I, I feel. We stay closed longer than most, but we have had no one in the church have COVID. So right. that has been, and I, I don't know that that is necessarily connected, but we no, have I, done, I felt really good about what we've done, but it's been a lot of work. That's what I was going to uh, say. I don't question your the wisdom of your decision. Yeah. I just feel bad that yeah. like you got back to in person. I was like, yay, we're back. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, and I will say one other thing I'm thankful for is I do, I love putting together the virtual service. I think it's great. And the way that we've done it, I appreciate my church. We don't do a live stream. We don't do, we don't record in the sanctuary or anything like that. It is all specifically designed to be watched on YouTube or a computer. Like it, in the same way that other things like most blogs and stuff, like people talk right to the camera and it, that's lots of edits and stuff like that. And, uh, rather than recording something that that exists usually in a different type of trying to replicate this other experience for this it is uh, we're trying to match it to the media which has been really I, I have enjoyed the creativity that it takes uh, it, it's arduous because it never ends I haven't missed a week it's uh, so much even when we were on vacation which was crazy like that it was pretty stupid it's just I've painted myself into a corner where I haven't really helped I haven't really 
equipped anybody else to be able to do it, which was which made sense initially when we thought this was only gonna last two months, but that's a little stupid. So well, that's I think I'm about to learn. You know, I'm sure this has been true for you, but like at Westminster when we had the shutdown, I had a team of people that helped me do all this, and yeah. now it is yeah, I have I have zero me. <laughs> yeah, a- I mean I have a lot of people who who submit stuff, which is great. So that that I'm able to do it because members of the of the church just like give us things to put in there, like music and stuff like that. But in terms of the editing, like I realized I was going to take a week off. I was going to take weeks off when I went on on the national park trip, and realized like oh, even if I'm not doing the sermon i still have to put the video up and like edit it and then and then put it like i mean i haven't told anybody how to do this uh which is uh, half on me and half on the fact that we just don't have anybody who who is really ready to do that um so it it never ends but it is nice to be able to find creative ways to do it and i like i do the sermon in a different place every time and like i'm never we have not done anything from our sanctuary so it's all like outside and in the world and then I try to do it in interesting places which has been fun so I've I've enjoyed that I'm probably going to film two sermons today because like I like the way you approach it Uh, so but I'm not sure if my guys will like it so like I'll do one in the sanctuary and do one outside and see which one I like better and we'll, we'll yeah it takes them a second to get used to it but it is it's neat it's and I I would say it's like a band-aid just go for it because then you can and just point out the fact that like Nothing we need to not normal. think it yeah and we need to recognize that god doesn't live in that room yeah. and even though we know that and we can say that it's helpful to to have a sermon preached in front of a tree or preached in front of like a downtown pittsburgh or like it, all these different places where um are inaccessible for for a church service to happen usually well, all that is to say, thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, we will try and be more regular with Roughing the Pastor as we are movie producers and pastors and fathers yep. and all that stuff in the meantime. We got some guests We got some guests ready to come on. We got uh, at least one more in the can mm-hmm. uh, that's from a long time ago, so we'll see how, <laughs> how much I, I have I, to change that so it doesn't fa- sound I, like it's from... Well, I echo well, Tyler. A good one. We are indeed grateful for you. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Till the next one, I've been Jay. I've been Tyler. And this has been Rubbing, Rubbing the, the Pastor. Bye, friends. All right. See you, everybody.